0: available in more homes than the Pac-12 network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I
1: nice. am
2: oh, David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
1: And here he goes.
2: Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
0: Reiner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. We are the Podcast of Champions. To the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24 7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24 7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac 12 football. More cannibalism in the conference this week. We'll recap everything that went down in week six, and then we're going to, of course, preview week seven. We'll go over the players of the week, our picks, which were against. Again, trash. They were. Herocious. Uh, uh, for the second week in a row. If you have any email questions for us, use the email, pack12podcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd rather call or text us, we got some texts this week, 424 532 0678. You can also tweet at us at pack12podcast and the website where you can find it all, all of our contact information, pack12podcast.com. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. All those things. Uh, Megaphone. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you should be able to find the podcast of champions. And if there's a place to you know, leave some five-star love for us, Dave, we love that stuff.
0: We do. You know what, Ryan? You're an inspiration. Every single time we do this show, I feel like I start it more or less half asleep. And every time, you just bring that energy. <laughs> you bring that fire. You're talking excitedly about the exact same thing. Literally the exact same words you say every show. I can't do it. You can do it. I can't do it. It's kind of incredible.
2: Well, maybe I can't do it anymore. Now that you point out that my no, the, the you're, folly you're a medical. Of... <laughs> you're a
0: medical
1: marvel, as far
2: as I'm concerned. Well, we do love. I mean, we want people to to write in. That's great. So we love that, and uh, you know, leaving the reviews and stuff. All that stuff is awesome, and we've had such great feedback from everybody. Uh, people love it. We had a request this week on Twitter, Dave. I don't know if you saw. Uh, I think it was Alex tweeted, and he wants me to be part of like the broadcast, and and be us together about a UCLA game as snarky as we can be, on you know for this show. And I'm like, well, I got to watch the whole game. I'd have to really pay attention. I don't know. It's hard to do that, but you know, if you want me on, I'll come on.
0: Well, and the 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 show where I'm talking about the game is usually right after the game, um, and you're usually. Um blind drunk by that point on saturday
2: night <laughs> so that or could be fun in its own regard maybe or working in a press box but whatever you know one of those things or maybe both
0: maybe both maybe both you don't know
2: yeah stanford does say, serve beer afterwards so you know there you go yeah like we got a shout out to the stanford uh press people man they give you some beer after the game that's great stuff
1: that is pretty incredible
2: um okay so housekeeping things we mentioned our picks we we're both one and three we had two picks that were the same we bought it got them both wrong we had two picks that were separate. We split those one and one. So pretty bad overall. Uh we'll go over that. Um the Pac twelve players of the week. Uh Jake Luton, remember that dude uh for Oregon State? Uh I, I recall. Six, yeah. yeah, he's like six foot twelve, but he's um yeah, five touchdown passes and a touchdown run. I don't know if you might have did you I don't know I don't remember
0: caught... any of that. When did that happen? Now, which game?
2: <laughs> He was he was playing one of the the, the Cal schools, one of the California schools. Yeah, must have been um, Paul Adebo, the defensive player. Uh, so he had like four pass breakups. I thought he had a pick, but I guess he didn't. Um, Stanford's big win over Washington, and then, you know it's like bottom of the barrel. Uh, it was Daniel Rodriguez is the special teams player of the week. He had like three punts, like that was his thing. Like a like a, a high of sixty two. Like it wasn't anything special. See, that
0: that's total crap. Who. Uh, I don't even know his name, but the Oregon State kicker who drop-kicked the onside kick. Look, that was just cool as hell. And special teams player of the week, it doesn't even matter. Just give it to that guy. He drop-kicked an onside kick.
2: Yeah, He should win it. It was pretty slim pickings, I guess, uh, this week. Uh, For linemen, uh, Drew Dahlman is the center for Stanford. They ran the ball pretty well. Uh, They didn't give up any sacks, and they had three true freshmen on the offensive line against Washington. So pretty good there and Kayvon Thibodeau for Oregon the five star recruit couple of sacks for him so big game and then uh for Stanford as their freshman wide receiver is it Simi Fihoko i believe Foko, uh, yeah. yeah so he uh, he had he had like 91 yards or something uh, receiving so props to all the Pac12 football players of the week even you Daniel Rodriguez i know it just wasn't anything special on your stat line
0: yeah you're trash you're you're bad he that wasn't that. No, no, I wasn't saying, saying that. Um, just, it seemed that way. It seemed kind of backhanded to me, Ryan. Sorry.
2: We do have some exciting news in our suicide pool. So everyone's asking, like, what's going to happen when you get their week 12 and there's still 100 people left? Well...
0: A lot of people have killed themselves in our suicide pool. Death.
2: Uh, <laughs> so we had 25. We were down to 25 because we had some of the big upsets happen and just eliminate crap loads of people, including us. I think the Washington State-UCLA game eliminated, like, over 100 people. Um, So... 525 week 5 winners were eligible to play in week 6. Only two survived. So there's someone named Mano and someone named Mark NC. Uh they both picked Oregon. Everybody else 23 people, uh 15 of them picked UCLA and that was of, a mistake. <laughs> yeah.
0: I wouldn't have done that even if I was still alive.
2: Uh 8 people and 8 people picked Washington, which seemed like a safe pick. Um and it was also not. So we are down to two, uh, so Mano and Mark NC, so we'll be just watching them. You don't have to put your picks in anymore unless you're one of those two dudes. So they're going to, I think, get uh, our buddy Matthew, who's compiling everything. He's just going to get direct emails from those guys to get their picks. So we'll see who ends up winning uh, this one, and uh, we got to give them something cool, I think. What do you think?
0: Yeah, like we should mention them again.
2: Yeah, we I mentioned them. Out. Yeah, put your Twitter, like send us your tw- your Twitter if you're like one of those two dudes, and we'll, uh, we'll plug you you know we'll do something we'll do something yeah. nice
0: we have we have no swag to give you maybe we should start getting swag should we do swag at some point swag would be
2: great we need a podcast of champions t-shirt or something
0: yeah i think like the 15 people who listen to this thing would really enjoy that
2: there are thousands and they love it david
0: you know it's i think because i consistently do that people are probably convinced that we're recording this for like 250 people when in actuality it is thousands right it's kind of wild
2: it's crazy but we i guess you know longevity you can't uh you know, because we yeah, kept to, that's, it's certainly not quality. That's the biggest feather in our cap, isn't it? We're We've, just
0: still here doing it. Um, we don't even know why.
2: I was down in uh, San Diego this weekend visited my sister because USC had a bye week. You know, trying to watch some games and uh, got to listen to John Wilner's podcast. He had Larry Scott on for about an hour. I don't know. Did you did you get to check that one out yet?
0: I did. I, I listened briefly, um, and then just the you know the vagaries of life. I haven't listened to like a complete podcast in many moons. Oh, um, but yeah, I listened to bits of it, and uh, Larry sounded um, forthright and yeah. a little uh, conciliatory, and kind of uh, you know uh, taken taken some blame for stuff. So I thought that was actually really good.
2: There was some blame taken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now some of it is. You know, I think he kind of shelved some of it off to some of the other people too. But I mean he definitely took some of it on, uh, which was nice, nice to uh to read. I, I got a Wilner wrote a piece like he graded him for his first ten years. So I gotta read I haven't read that one yet, but John does a great job. Uh, you know, John Wilner, John Consano. Make sure you follow those guys and check the Johns, out John's, as we call them. Yeah. They're they're good stuff. But having Larry Scott on for like an hour, that's uh that is pretty cool. Um before we jump into everything else i just want to tell you guys about my bookie now my picks have been terrible if you did the opposite of my picks and you were going to my bookie you would be making some serious money opposite of me or dave these past couple weeks it's actually
0: i mean if you just used my picks for the entire season you'd you'd be making still a little bit of money right not a lot but but you're coming
2: down it's coming down uh you know but you know you got a hard week you're working it's great to sit down at the end of the week, have some time off, and watch football. You got some action on it with MyBookie. It's great. We love doing it. I can't tell you how important our picks are. Even when we don't have money on them, we just want to win. You know, We want to beat each other. David doesn't know what that feels like. He's getting to enjoy that for a few weeks. It'll probably end soon. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to do it against, you know, against your pocketbook, you can do it with MyBookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts, and better lines than any sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and you should too. So this is the kind of thing you wanna do. Go out, take our picks. If you wanna go with our picks, you wanna go the opposite of our picks, whatever you'd like to do, you can do that. But if you join mybookie now, they will double your first deposit. So if you use promo code PAC12 to activate the offer, Promo code, promo code PAC-12, they'll double your first deposit up to $1,000. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: Great read. I think the trick is for us, you use my picks, and I think this is generally true over the years, use my picks in weeks one and week two, and then literally never even think <laughs> about me picking football <laughs> games again, and then use Ryan for like the back half of the season.
2: I get smarter apparently.
0: I think you just maybe you don't go too high or too low based on results, whereas I am like you know I'm I'm always like oh well that team was bad in that game so they're the worst team that's ever played football they could never win another one. You tend to be a little bit more high high, a little bit more even keeled. Um, So I think that's probably why yours you know based on in-season information don't oscillate nearly as much. Well, I
2: think um so I keep track, <clears throat> excuse me about sorry about that. Um so I I write down on our board every week and I've done this for the last this is the fourth year in a row where we've kept track of all of our picks. Um could I say that before like some people make picks every week and then you know, never know if they're good or not. We actually tell you like hey, we we this week or we we're great. Um whatever. And we've never had like a back-to-back like losing both of us losing like this has never happened like two one and threes we were one three and one last week and one three one and three this week that's never happened so this the Pac-12 is pretty drunk right now um weird stuff is happening stuff some games you feel good about other ones you're not really sure um but it's been very different we've never had this kind of bad run in the middle of the season and you know People talk about, yeah, like early on where there's no lines and, and you don't want that stuff to skew it. So that's why we've taken those out the last couple of years. But we've never had the middle of Pac-12 seasons where we would only get one game right, you know, two weeks in a row. That's never happened.
0: Well, and I would even say that the game I got right this past week was the one I was the least sure about. And I think it was probably the same for you. I think you were pretty iffy on Arizona-Colorado. Um, the three other ones were the ones I was more confident about. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, we're good at this. We're good at what we do. It's but it you
2: know it's very strange, and 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 I think uh, John Wilner said it's like a conference without a. It's a topless conference. It's just a lot of parody, um, and I think one of the things he's watching for will the Pac-12 uh, have everyone. I think I forget what it was. Was everyone have either two losses or everyone have at least one conference loss before other the other conferences have you know everyone has a loss, you know, it's it's like, I've screwed that up. I forget what it was, but it's a, that was lovely though. I enjoyed, you know what I'm saying? Like diagram it in my head. So the PAC 12, everyone had a loss in September, which is the first time that's happened in a long time, but it's likely everyone's going to have like a conference loss or two losses going forward. Cause it's just, there's, it's just cannibalism right now, Dave.
0: Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Um, somebody else made this point on Twitter, it's like, is the PAC 12 going to make the playoff? Almost certainly not. Is it going to be kind of really fun the entire way with this conference race? Because nobody apparently is any good and nobody is really horrible. Yeah, it might be really fun.
2: Yeah. I know you got Arizona like leading the South. I
0: mean, there's one team that's really horrible, which we'll get to, but everybody we, else.
2: We will get to that team. That's glorious. Uh, not as glorious as it could have been, um, but it's just a, so, it's just very strange. So, uh, yeah. But thanks to thanks to my bookie, we'll uh, jump in. I guess, should we just go right into our... Uh... 12
0: roundup Well now that you've played the sound
1: I think we should
2: well last week we didn't either. Uh, there were some notes that we have in here from our from intern Micah but I think there's a question about it so maybe we can read some of those notes uh, during uh, that but we got to get to the games uh, there was only four games that were on Saturday like I said I was in San Diego Dave so I got to watch a lot of this um, and it was like the one week I, I think I texted you I'm like, why am I even watching this like this is terrible. I, I'm not enjoying it. Like it, I, I would have been. Be- it would have been better off if this was one of my drunken weekends where I didn't watch anything because I feel like I didn't enjoy it. Like I, I was supposed to be hanging out with my sister and I'm like on the couch, like watching these games and got my tablet. watching, you know if there's two on at one time. It just it didn't didn't feel enjoyable. Maybe because of the picks. I don't know, Dave. But I I didn't well, really I, care for I, it.
0: You probably spent a lot of time watching that Cal Oregon first half, which was I mean honestly one of the most miserably played halves of football I think I've ever seen. Oh. Um, And then you probably watched too much of Washington-Stanford. I was lucky because I could only watch Washington-Stanford like half while I was paying attention to. Look, it wasn't a good game. Certainly wasn't a good game for UCLA. But that Oregon State performance was kind of fun to watch. Um, Yeah. Like, especially those first six minutes. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But that that whole thing was fine. Um, And Arizona-Colorado was fine. Uh, but Washington, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, the two games that were expected to be more or less the marquee games of the night were both kind of duds.
2: Yeah, they were. And uh, I, I ended up going to bed. I was on the West coast and I went to bed knowing Stanford was going to win. I think it was like the fourth quarter or something. I'm like, ah, this is over. I'm, I'm too tired. It's too much. Uh,
0: what a luxury <laughs> for you to go to bed. I went to bed at 3. A.M. Eastern. It was wonderful.
2: <laughs> you stayed up later than me. And I was, uh, I had a lot of mimosas, yeah. though, you know, like, you're in San Diego. I'm hanging well, out.
0: And this is what I'm saying, again, bringing it back to the beginning. Ryan's usually very drunk by that point <laughs> of the
2: night.
0: Me, I'm just uh, tired out of my entire mind.
2: All right. Well, let's go through. We have our new power rankings, and uh, I this one might be tough to beat. I don't know if you're going to get out of this basement. Uh, we have number 12. UCLA Bruins. <laughs> and... <laughs> Which is which is great, right? And uh they were hosting uh, now our number eleven team. Oregon Ducks. Oops. They were not hosting them. Nope. They were hosting Oregon State Beavers. If I would have told you what the and score that's... was, you might have guessed it was the Oregon Ducks, but it was not.
0: <laughs> you might have guessed it was like Chip Kelly era, Oregon Ducks. <laughs> um No, it was Oregon State coming to town. And uh, UCLA, I want to just preserve this for posterity, was favored by six and a half points at one point this week, uh, this past week. Um, They lost the game. They lost this football game by 17, Ryan. 17.
2: To the Oregon Ducks, right?
0: To the Oregon State Beavers. Imagine it. Just cast your memory, cast your entire self back to where you were in November 2017 when UCLA hired Chip Kelly. And then think about what that person would deal with knowing that a year and a half later, two, almost two years later, I should say, UCLA would be losing to Oregon State and be the clear worst team in the Pac-12 one and a half years into Chip Kelly's tenure.
2: Four and 14? And I think Jonathan Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is Four and 13, if I'm not mistaken. At the
0: exact exact same point in his turnaround of Oregon State, a program that was 1-11 and before he took over. UCLA went to a bowl in 2017. (laughs) And not this year. 14 since then. Probably not a bowl this year. Let's talk about this football game. All right. Okay. UCLA gave up 21 points in the first six minutes and change. It was 21 nothing before really the offense had done anything. Um, that was first due to a great Oregon State drive um, where they just, you know, they looked how we expected Oregon State's offense to look against this defense, which is to say dominant virtually whenever they wanted to throw the ball. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, he's great. Jake Luton, he was fine. It was just uh, for the game as a whole um, – Oregon state was really only limited by Jonathan Smith deciding that he needed to run the ball. If he had just said, you know what, we're going to go full air raid in this game. Cause the secondary can't do anything. They would have scored 60. Um, but okay, about so half your th- tweets
2: were about why is Oregon state running the ball?
0: It was the most inexplicable <laughs> thing. It was like, they hadn't scouted UCLA at all. And they decided they needed to be balanced. Um, and it's not as if they ran the ball poorly. They just threw the ball so much better and they could have thrown the ball as much as they wanted in this one. Anyway, so seven nothing after that drive, and then you're thinking, okay, it might go back and forth. We'll see. UCLA gets the ball, has it at a fourth and one on their own thirty-five, and they decide to go for it—a mathematically defensible decision. Uh, but they ran the ball. You know, they just attempted to do basically a dive into the line of scrimmage, um, and Joshua Kelly was met literally like seven yards behind yeah. the line of scrimmage. Well,
2: Oregon State's known for having a great defense this <laughs> year, right? <laughs> if you haven't paid attention you're like oregon state like one of the best defenses in in the the conference if not the country i would assume
0: absolutely absolutely right um and then um oregon state gets the ball back they score another touchdown this one mostly running driven but again nice isaiah Hodgins uh catch for this one and then ucla doesn't get the ball back because oh it was daniel rodriguez that's the one we're talking about
2: oh he got the onside kick
0: Yeah, no, he's the kicker who did the onside kick. Okay, Okay. this all makes sense now. Okay, okay. I thought you were talking about some other punter for another team. Clearly, I don't know the guy's name. Anyway, Daniel Rodriguez, onside kick with a drop kick. They recover. It's this beautiful dropkick. See, I was watching
2: – I'm sorry about that. I didn't see that in the notes. I just saw, like, he punted three times. Like, that's what they led with. Like, you should have – like, I didn't read all like, the special teams notes. Well, I didn't,
0: even, I, I didn't even hear you when you said what team he played for. So, clearly, I'm the idiot. No, 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 um, that's fine.
2: So, I apologize for that. But, so, yeah, I, I was watching on the small screen, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? So, please explain how this worked, because I just saw a kick go up in the air, and then Oregon State get the ball, and UCLA is like – they, are, they were instantly done at that point.
0: So there's a penalty on um, the extra point, I think it was. So Oregon State gets the ball at the 50 for the kickoff, right? Now, a conservative team like, say, UCLA later in this game would just then kick the ball through the end zone. Not Oregon State. They elect to do the very, very antiquated drop kick, which is basically where you drop the ball on the ground and then kick it straight up. Um, you know, about midway down the field. Um, and it bounces to about the 30, I think it was. Um, and it's the equivalent of an onside kick. It's a live ball. Um, and they recover because the ball bounces basically straight up from there. So it's basically a jump ball. And whoever can jump highest right then is going to do it. Um, so Oregon State recovers. And then they immediately score another touchdown. So this was with basically on the dot, nine minutes left to go in the first quarter. It was 21 nothing. Yikes. Hey, and good news from there on, UCLA played Oregon State pretty even.
2: But the 21 point, yeah. At that point, I was like, you basically have to fire Chip Kelly right now, right? You're down 21 nothing to to Oregon State. What is going it, on? It
0: would have been a defensible decision. I really believe so. <laughs> um, and honestly, from there, it was only kind of even because Oregon State was sort of self-limiting. Um, I, I actually came away with the from the game with the impression that Jonathan Smith isn't that good of a coach. Um, because they could have been putting up real points on UCLA, and I realize I'm talking about a team that scored 48, and that's a uh, 48 with a mixed missed extra point. That's seven touchdowns. Wow. Um, they could have put up Wazoo numbers if they had just kept throwing the ball. Um, it's it's really incredible how bad UCLA's secondary is. Like it's 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 the worst I've ever seen. Um, at UCLA, and maybe the worst I've ever seen. Period. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I don't I, – I honestly – you watch them play and you're like, I don't know who they were trying to cover. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do. Sometimes it's even hard to tell whether they're in man or zone. They're just – they don't – they often do not appear to be covering anybody. Uh, um, And it's just guys are getting wide open. If I, I tweeted this out, but if Oregon State had just elected to basically do play action and just try to throw intermediate to deep to Isaiah Hodgins all game, Luton would have completed 70% of his passes and they might have thrown – 10 touchdowns it's it's yeah Washington State's air raid is really good but I'm starting to think that was more UCLA's defense just being horrendous
2: um so Luton was the beneficiary there he was the fourth player in Oregon State history to account for six touchdowns so that's kind of cool and he's the first one since Sean Mannion uh he threw six against Colorado back in 2013 so he had himself a day, and our 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 gal Angie, she said the Beavers are sitting at two and three, but they are eight points away from being four and one. So um, you know, they should have beat Stanford, like for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, Oregon State isn't horrible this year. They're, um they have a really really good offense. Um, they were, if you watch the Oklahoma State game, they were not. It wasn't like it was a blowout that they then got close. It was. Pretty much a two-score game the entire way, um, and they kind of hung in there. Um, Hawaii, they easily could have won that game, and Stanford, they easily could have won that game. So, yeah, four and one, totally. Um, I don't know how many more wins are left out there. Um, there's certainly some possibilities, but this is not a joke of a team. Um, they have th- Their offense was by far the best unit on the field um, on Saturday, and we knew that even going into the game.
2: All right. Well, let's move on. Our number ten team, Washington State Cougars. <laughs> uh, they had a bye, so, but they're number ten now. That they've, I think, with UCLA's loss, I think people dropped Washington State even more. Um, yeah,
0: I get that. Um, and they looked really bad in the last game. I didn't do my own power rankings this week, but I think that seems fair. I mean, somewhere it, between eight and ten.
2: It's hard. It's hard to do these because you're like, where you know. We'll, we'll go through more of them. But, okay, so we have uh, – this is our number nine team. Colorado Buffalo. And uh, they were playing our number six team, and I had this team higher, Arizona Wildcats.
0: Yeah, and I think it would have been really fair to have them hire. Um, so, Arizona beat Colorado 35-30. It was a game where I thought um, – Arizona really did seem to just outplay them throughout this game. Um, I, you know, it, it looks like a really close game in the final score. I thought Arizona was pretty clearly the better team throughout. Um, they were more explosive um, on 67 plays. They had 487 yards. Um, it took Colorado 81 plays to go 496. So much better yard per play average. Um you know, watching Colorado, I thought Steven Montez um, wasn't particularly sharp. Um, he seemed to run away from a lot of phantom pressure, especially late in the game. And I know there was a lot of real pressure, too, but it seemed like he maybe got rattled by it a little bit. He does. He, he was doing a lot of running backwards and running to the side rather than using his athleticism to make plays with his legs. And I thought that was kind of what the situation was demanding at different points. Um, I thought offensive play calling was Generally poor. Um, didn't really love what what Colorado was doing from that regard. With that regard, um, and um, you know, I thought Mel Tucker had a bad move to burn an offensive timeout with three minutes left. Um, it it ch- would have changed the complexion of the end game a little bit um, to have that third timeout. Um, it, in the end, it didn't matter, um, but it might have changed things. So I thought that was a mistake. Um, but across the board, I thought. Uh, Arizona just looked better. Um, You know, Khalil Tate uh, didn't have to run the ball a ton. He looked okay when he ran. Maybe not quite as explosive as he looked a couple of weeks ago, but um, still looked okay. Uh, But he just threw the ball incredibly well. Um, 31 for 41 for 404 yards and three TDs. That's really good for him. Um, And, uh, you know, there's, there's some guys on this Arizona offense who are a lot of fun. I mean, Brian Castile, they seem to be using him more and more each week. Um, and he's making a lot of plays. Um, and you know, JJ Taylor was only in for really one snap. They didn't run the ball a ton. They may, they mainly just did this all through the air and Colorado was unable to stop it. Um, this, this defense, uh, looked, uh, you know, pretty shaky against that passing attack. So, you know, Colorado's got a lot to figure out. Um, I still think they're ahead of where we both thought they were sure. um, going to be at this point in the year. Um, they had the lead at halftime, 2014, um, so this game was certainly within their grasp. They could have won it. Um I, I gotta shout out a really nifty uh th- uh touchdown throw from Katie Nixon, uh wide receiver. That was really cool to watch. That was yeah. Um yeah. Um Alex Fontenot is uh you know, he's a good kind of back and I like the combo with him and Mangum. Um but yeah, I think they need to um you know, maybe figure out what their best identity is offensively. I don't think they're a team that can really pound the rock right now. Um, and uh, I think yeah, got to figure out some stuff defensively. Um, Arizona probably shouldn't be throwing for 404 yards on you.
2: No, that's bad. Yeah. For Khalil Tate to go over 400, it was crazy. Um, what, okay. So we were going and getting some food. I got to watch most of the second half, but in the first half we were eating and and I was trying to follow on my phone. the The restaurant we were at didn't have Pac-12 Network. Shocker. And uh you know, San Diego because you would Why would you have it there? Um, How did Colorado score at the end of the first half? Because I was like, it seemed like there was only a few seconds left, and they they must have had a big play or something. Do you remember?
0: With the well, they had a 75 yard drive before the end of the first half.
2: Okay, so maybe it was that they were driving, but it seemed like it was only like 15 seconds left. They were like at midfield. I, I thought that what I read on my phone, but. um Crazy stuff there. It went back and forth. There were nine lead changes uh, in this game. Colorado is pretty banged up, too. Six starters didn't come into this one, and f- they lost four more during the game. So Colorado needs to kind of get in. They got a short week, so they don't really have a lot of time to get healthy. Um, Arizona's defense, in the last three games combined, they've given up three total points in the fourth quarter. So after as bad as this Arizona team looked, on defense, the first couple games, they've just been so much better. And end games, they've been a lot better. So, you know, Khalil Tate coming back, you win a game without your starting quarterback. Uh, you get some guys banged up. You, you're you're winning on the defensive side of the ball more now. This is a complete team, um, much more complete than we saw at the beginning of the season. They are undefeated in conference, two two and and0 in conference play, four and one overall with only that loss to Hawaii, which you got to be looking back and like, man. You're an 11-point favorite. You lost that game. Um, Arizona, they're all alone in the Pac-12 South right now. Uh, I don't see why they're sixth in our power rankings, but that's that's just what they did.
0: Yeah. And uh, at the end of the first half, the thing you might have been seeing was Arizona, I believe they almost took a kickoff return for a touchdown there at the end of the half. But the guy stepped out of bounds on the return. Um, but otherwise, they would have scored another touchdown, so it would have gone touchdown, 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 just to close out the half after it was seven and six for an interminable amount of time.
2: Oh, okay, okay, that must have been what I was seeing. All right, well, I don't know, man. What do you what do you think about Arizona? I mean, are they real? Is this a is this going to come crashing down?
0: I mean, I think they're as real as any of the teams that are in like the middle of the league right now. I think there's a clear top one, which is Oregon, um, but. Arizona, I think, is – I think they're capable of beating anybody at this point. Um, I, I, Their defense has improved a lot, not purely from, like, a yardage given up standpoint. They're still giving up quite a bit, but they are actually making negative things happen. They are getting after quarterbacks a little bit more. Marcel Yates seems to have given up his love of eight – dropping eight and rushing three, so that's nice to see. Um, so – I I think they have the potential Khalil Tate's a game changer. And when he's fully healthy, he's a game changer. And I know there's some haters out there who don't think so, but um, he's run the ball pretty well this year and now he's throwing the ball. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think they have the potential to, uh, to certainly make some noise in the Pac-12 South.
2: It was good that he played. I know there were some rumors that he might redshirt or something, (laughs) but now he's played five games. So that's not happening. So um, yeah, there, I mean, they're they after they're a real team so uh, you got to watch out for them we'll see what happens there all right so our number eight team Stanford cardinal they were hosting uh reeling a little bit right and uh, hosting our no, our former number two team now dropped to number four Washington huskies
0: <laughs> You've probably had this experience, but you know when you're like watching a game that you really have to focus on and then you're just seeing like in the corner of your eye, you're watching another game. And it's just like every time you look over, you're like, what the is happening? (laughs) Like, what is what's going on here? That's how this was for me, because I'm watching. I'm like locked into this just absolute shit show between UCLA and Oregon State. And then I'm seeing why is Stanford looking good? all? Why do they look like old Stanford? What's going on here? Um this one was crazy to watch for me. Um so Stanford won twenty-three thirteen. It was frankly a dominant win for Stanford. They were dominant in this game. Um and it was 13-10 at halftime, but it really like It felt it, worse. This was yeah. this felt so much worse than that. Um and it was so Stanford. Like it was so incredibly Stanford. They were just controlling the clock. Doing whatever they wanted. Cameron Scarlett was doing his best, I don't know, like Toby Gerhardt impression. 33 carries for like just a pounding 151 yards. A long of 18. When you get 151 yards and your long is just 18, that just means you're grinding. (laughs) You're just grinding successful run after successful run and just beating up a defense.
2: That was his Um, first career 100 yard game. Can you believe that?
0: I can believe it because yeah, I've been you don't denigrating like <laughs> Cameron Scarlett for so long, <laughs> and I mean, frankly, for this Washington defense to allow that is just absurd. But I want to talk Stanford first because they won, um, and then uh, Davis Mills, I thought was was really, really great and really sharp. Um, and then he goes out uh, in just I think before the start of the fourth quarter um, with an injury, and then Jack West comes in. And here's how dominant Stanford was, and here's how old school Stanford was. They didn't even have to throw a pass. (laughs) They didn't even have to throw the ball. They were just like, no, it's fine. We'll just run it. And it was, it was totally fine. They did it just fine. Um, But Davis Mills, I thought was really great. I think if, and when he and KJ Costello are both healthy at the same time again, which who knows um, there's, there certainly should be a quarterback controversy. I think Mills has really shown some stuff uh, since he's been in there, but this was a dominant Stanford win, um, and they looked exceptional. It came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, they were dead in the water last week against Oregon State, and suddenly they're beating, you know, one of the top two or three teams in the conference, so that's crazy. Um, Washington, oh. what the f*** is going on here? Um, okay, so Jacob Eason, I thought was horrible. Um, every time I saw him, it looked like he had happy feet in the pocket, looked indecisive. Just not good at all, um, and he certainly wasn't helped, and isn't and isn't being helped in perpetuity by his receiving core. Which, despite the stat lines for Aaron Fuller, these guys drop a ton of balls. Um, and just again, watching this game out of the corner of my eye, paying half attention, I saw so many drops. Um, a, a couple of things. Uh, Richard Newton got hurt in this one, and that's not great because he's been their best back this year. Yeah, that Ahmed- didn't look
2: related. good either. It didn't look good. No.
0: Ahmed really didn't look um, good at all running the ball. Um, but defensively, they just got dictated to. Um, and this is the first time where I'm like, is this Washington defense actually good? Um, because – and they, they don't seem to be, you know, not hitting their stride if they're do- giving this up to an offense that was really struggling coming into this one. Um, Stanford only had, I think, six healthy scholarship offensive linemen by the end of the game. Um, and they're still just pounding the ball on Washington.
2: Um, yeah three of them are true freshmen they didn't give up a sack um and they still ran and you know Scarlett had his best game uh they ran for 189 yards threw for 293 for the offensive line to be decimated like that and be able to handle Washington's front has to be concerning because that's sh- that should not have happened
0: yeah that was um utter disaster yeah. so Look, it's one bad game. Um, You know, Washington, well, they've lost two games now, both to the Bay Area schools. Very weird. Um, There's still a lot of season left. Washington could still win the North. I mean, there's still tons of things that can happen throughout this year. Um, But I think you can more or less eliminate the idea of going to the playoff now.
2: Yeah, Um, not more or less. It's, you know.
0: Yeah, it's well. I I think you you you'll see some statistical arguments that if X Y and Z happens, Washington could still do it. But for all intents and purposes, yes, I think Washington's out. Um, but they're not out of the conference race yet. Um,
2: Oregon has a stranglehold on the north right now, but you know we'll see
0: if Washington beats them. Or- Oregon could trip up again another time, and then it's you know it's open. But yeah. certainly um, certainly a complete changing of of complexion of the league right here um, because now suddenly Stanford doesn't look like a patsy anymore. They seem to have figured some things out. Um, and they were looking like an absolute patsy coming (laughs) into this game. Um, but they figured some stuff out and to do that against Washington, even a Washington that, you know, maybe wasn't playing as well as it could or whatever. Uh, just to put up, to be able to put up that kind of performance in any game is a sign that Stanford is starting to figure some things out.
2: Yeah, I, I want the Undertaker gif. You know, like they're just like waking up from the dead. Like Stanford's alive. Um, well, there was
0: another year where they did this. I think it was twenty fourteen where they looked dead in the water through like five or six games, and then they were just elite in the back half of the season, just kind of randomly um and the only reason i can remember that is because they were like five and six coming into the ucla game that year and just murdered ucla just ugly <laughs> game. and that was like a good ucla team they were like nine and two
2: yeah. well, this was the year we thought ucla would get over on stanford not looking good especially if stanford plays like this i mean that defense
0: it's tough oh, no, no it it's it actually doesn't look good because stanford has a quarterback and eligible receivers that's the only reason it doesn't look good. It doesn't oh. matter if they're good or bad. As long as they have a quarterback and eligible receivers, any team will do well. that will be
2: tough. Um, This is a team you watch. I mean, I saw them in person, and they were god-awful against USC, and they, they limited the Huskies 206 passing yards, 16 of, of 36 attempts, 88 yards rushing on 22 attempts. Like, where was the Stanford defense before we we talked about Paulson Adiboo, he's got the uh, packed little Defensive Player of the Week, the true offensive line, not giving up any sacks, and Stanford had 24 first downs. They converted six of 14 on third down conversions and two and 482 total yards of offense. Crazy numbers like this. This is just you know not, and 39 minutes time of possession. That sound. I mean, this was a very Stanford game though we haven't seen this Stanford all year. And when everyone talks about like, this is not those same kind of Stanford teams, this is that Stanford team. So that identity is still there. It just maybe was hiding. Uh, the weirdest step for me, Dave, uh, Washington converted two of 12 of their third down attempts. Stanford was giving up more than 50% on defense and, and Washington could only manage two of 12 really anemic performance. And you, you look at two quarterbacks who were you know highly touted out of high school Jacob Eason, I did. He wasn't that impressive to me when they played USC, and they they still won by two touchdowns. He's just not been that great, and uh, he's got the talent. I mean, I think the arm talent stuff is there, but something's not quite right. Davis Mills looked a little shaky at first, you know, when he started. But you know, now he's playing more. He looks like a real dude, and uh, I'm not seeing that from Jacob Eason right now. I don't. I, that's con- if I'm a Washington fan, I'm concerned about that.
0: Honestly, if I'm a Washington fan, I'm concerned about the design of this offense Um, more than I, I mean, and Jacob Easton, he might have some real flaws. I mean, I don't, it could very well be true, Um, but he's, I don't know that he's necessarily the problem. I think the offense is a pretty conservative scheme. Um, And I think we've seen that over the years. Uh, with Jake Browning, um, and we were pinning it all on, okay, well, once they get a quarterback with a stronger arm, maybe they'll try to push it a little bit more and do some more, you know, dynamic things in the throw game. And they're really not. Um, and you know, I thought he was really shaky in this game, no doubt. Um, but I don't think this scheme is doing, uh, doing him any favors. And I don't think the wide receiver issues are doing him any favors, um, you know, I, I'm sure Washington has other guys they could play with the amount of drops that they're sustaining. Um, so, I'd be interested to see what changes might come out of this. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was. Uh, uh, I, I think this offensive issue might be more than just, um, you know, the quarterback.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, well, good one there. Let's see. We have. And by the way, Washington was favored by 16. Um, and lost by 10. So, yeah, we got that one. Uh, a little bit wrong. Way, way wrong. Okay. Just a little bit. Just a Just little. 26 points off. Yes. Uh, our, our number seven team, California Golden Bears. They're going back to what Dave wants in no offense. Uh, they had to go on the road to take on the number one team, Oregon Ducks.
0: Look, they no offense their way to a halftime lead on the road at the number 13 team in the country. I think I'm really onto something here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, this was, this was a horrible game, horrible to watch. Um, this was definitely the worst game of the four to watch on, uh, on Saturday. Um, even if you're like a really big fan of defense oh. and all that kind of stuff. And I know those jokers who say that they don't actually mean it, but I get it.
2: I hated um, this game. Hated it.
0: It was so bad to watch. Um, Okay, so um, the first half, you know, I honestly thought Devon Modster, um, he really did rally quite a bit from where he was um, the last game. And in the first half, he, he, you know, he made some throws and he did some okay things, Um So as a whole on the game, he was much, much better than last week. But that still is pretty awful. Um, If you remember last week, he was like 5 of 14 for like 19 yards. So really anything would be an improvement. Um, And this one, he completed 50% of his balls for 190 and a couple of picks. So he wasn't great. But he at least, you know, did a few things in the throw game for uh, Cal. Um, I don't know why I'm saying throw game. I've said throw game twice. I sound like one of those meathead announcers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Have you ever noticed that, that, like, sometimes the things that are said on TV just slowly start to seep into you until you sound like an idiot, too?
2: I, I know what you're saying. You know what bugs me? It's some guys say it when you're talking about, like, uh, when they'll, they'll use, like, rushing, like, like the, you know, rushing or ground attack and the run gate. They'll use, like, two of those terms in the same sentence, and it always bothers me. Oh, my me.
0: God. It drives me insane. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Modster was pretty bad, um, but he was better than the last game. Um, I thought this was more kind of held together by um, a lot of turnovers for Oregon in the first half. Um, they were having some issues moving the ball, but they still should have been on the board at halftime. But they had two fumbles from Travis Dye. Um, the first one was more or less just dropped the ball. second one got poked out. Um And really, like, poked out. Like, somebody's fingers just kind of touched the ball and it (laughs) fell out. Um, And then Justin Herbert had a bad pick to Ashton Davis um, where you just didn't see him coming over. Well, actually, it was kind of weird. I mean, they were talking about it on the broadcast. And they were like, oh, if he'd thrown it a second earlier, Ashton Davis wouldn't have closed on it. Ashton Davis never lost the receiver. I don't think there was a window actually there. Um, if you watch that one, it no, looked th- like he had
2: his eyes on him the whole time at any thought, point yeah. that he
0: threw that ball. Ashton Davis was going to pick it off. I just thought it was a bad decision by Herbert to throw it. Um, but other than that, I mean, Herbert, it, it was far from his best game this year. I thought it was probably his weakest game of the season, um, but still they should have been on the board at halftime. And then in the second half, they more or less got it figured out. Um, It wasn't great. Um, CJ Verdell went down with, I think it was an ankle injury. That was what I had in my notes, but I don't, I don't know. So it was pretty much the Travis Dye show. um, And then Cyrus Abibi Likio, um, who also had a touchdown. But um, for the most part, I thought... uh, you know, it was a very, very, very good defensive performance for Oregon. Um, they more or less shut this Cal offense down after a stretch and uh, made it very, very hard on Modster and this running game. Um, this Oregon defense, here's a note, as per the SP+, Plus, is now the number one defense in the country. Um, Whoa. And, uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, I thought, is, is he's absolutely living up to the hype. Um you know, w- one player note. I loved watching Micah Pittman out there. Um, every time he caught the ball, he was like exploding with joy. Yeah, like just full on, like celebrating. It was like game winning touchdown. Like a, yeah, after like an eleven yard <laughs> gain, it's just like you know what? That, but he's not like he's not doing it to show up anybody. He's not like it's whatever. He's just excited to be out there after getting hurt. So that's great to see. Yeah. Um, but I thought he was good. And then um, the design on the uh, Jalen Red touchdown uh, was really kind of fun to watch it was kind of like a fake motion inside and then he dives back outside and because of the confusion he was just wide open to walk into the end zone Um, so that was pretty cool too
2: yeah Uh, so the Ducks were favored by 18 only scored 17 so that's not that's not good we did not get this one right either Um, this is why I was frustrated watching this one because you're like you just want the picks to do well and you feel like okay Cal's not going to be able to do much Oregon's just got to do a little bit and they're moving the ball early and the Ducks, you know, they run the ball well. They get a couple big penalties that kind of set them back. And I think the second one is what forced Herbert into that interception. And you're like, I think at that point I kind of knew. I'm like, Oregon's not going to cover this. And so they do that. They turn the ball over in their first drive. Cal, like, is moving the ball. And Monster just kind of throwing it up into crowds. And it's just, I felt like there was just lucky Cal catches. And one of them turned into a touchdown. And you're just like... Nine times out of 10, that ball's batted away. But somehow it didn't. It wasn't. And like was that even thrown to the right guy and someone else caught it? Like, it was crazy. And Kyle gets a touchdown. They're up 7 nothing. And you're looking like, this is impossible. Like, that should not have happened. Like, if you replayed the beginning of that game 100 times, you wouldn't have seen that again. Um, and then and Oregon goes on to turn the ball over. I think their next two possessions as well uh, in the red zone. Um, so three straight turnovers. And Oregon only had two turnovers all year. So, uh, but you said Verdell being hurt die just seemed to not be able to hold on to the football. Um, it was the first time that Oregon has been shut out at home since 2003, which is pretty, pretty crazy. And it, it seemed like every time the ball hit the ground, Cal was jumping on it. If it was a Oregon fumble, Cal got it. If it was a Cal fumble, Cal got it. So it just, it just seemed like nothing was really going their way. And they, a lot of these Oregon games, you see, there's going to be like this high powered, you know, tried to to move the ball and stuff. They were moving the ball early, but they turned the ball over and it just seemed to get kind of conservative after that. Um, you know, that Oregon came down and they tried to kick a field goal. They missed it. They hadn't made a field goal all season. They made one a little bit later uh in the game. And you mentioned Thibodeau, he had a couple of sacks, so great, great for him. Um, but the Oregon defense, I didn't realize they were the number one in the S P plus. Uh, but it's the first time since nineteen sixty that they've held four consecutive opponents to single digit points. So that's pretty crazy when you look at it. They they gave up. Uh, Nevada scored six. Montana scored three. Stanford scored six. And then Cal scored seven. So that's quite the run <laughs> for this. That's Sunday. pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty
0: cool. Um, one other thing. Um, so just as a note about that first half too, even with all the weirdness and like all that stuff, Cal could have been up like 10 or 14 to nothing at halftime too because If you saw this drive where Cal eventually missed a field goal, Devon Modster had basically a wide open running lane on third and 10 from the Oregon 23. And he started his slide like two yards before the sticks. um, And they basically called it a fourth and two. He really, he could have run and slid like six more yards downfield. And I think that's kind of the, you know, showing off a guy who really hasn't played a whole lot. Um, But they were driving <laughs> there they're at the end. Whatever they had figured out in the first half, Oregon, I don't think, had quite adjusted to it yet. Um, but they, they could have put up some more points in that first half, and that would have really changed the complexion of that second half.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, so our number six team, we already talked about Arizona. The number five team. USC Trojans. They had a buy uh, they did not move uh, four where I talked about Washington, uh, our number three team now Arizona State Sun Devils <laughs> uh, yeah, they had a, a buy as well, but I guess people are uh, they got they moved up a little bit, so not bad for uh, Arizona yeah. state also uh, so the South is kind of representing now uh, higher up in there uh, our number two team Utah Utes. <laughs>
0: Is the South representing, or is it just that the North has gotten a lot worse?
2: Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. They're coming back to the the mean. Um, yeah, Utah number two, also on a bye, and then Oregon number one, we already talked about. So last week, Dave, there was we felt it was like Oregon, Washington, and Utah was kind of like the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Now it's Oregon and Utah. Yeah. And though the only two teams, well, I mean, I guess I mean Arizona State has a chance to go. 12 and 1 uh Arizona does. It's uh yeah, it's kind of weird the way that the the top is, you know, you have multiple losses for Washington, USC, Cal, Stanford, like everybody else except those, you know, the the Arizona schools, uh Oregon and Utah. Very cool. So that's where you're that's where the the Pac-12 bread will be buttered going forward until they all beat each other this coming week. Um, all right, well, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll, uh, we'll preview our week seven games back in a minute.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works
3: just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right. We are back here on the podcast of champions. What did you do during the break, Dave? Did you go, go to the bathroom or anything?
0: I didn't. I sat here. Um, <laughs> I I just stared blankly. You know, kind of that Clay Helton expression. Oh, just that one—the one where you just kind of open your mouth, kind of gate mouthed, and just stare straight ahead.
2: Everybody has that as their like meme, or, or they have it as their like uh, whatever their avatar and stuff. People, USC fans, that's common. They see that you see that a lot.
0: Yeah, you know, and you know, some people have just kind of a bad resting face, you know, and some people have that slack jaw thing, and he's got it. He's got it going on, and yeah. that's what I have nice. right here, right now, during this break,
1: this long break we had
2: here. As someone who does a lot of video stuff, like we do our Tunnel Vision show, and when you try to get a screenshot, it's not easy, especially when you have three people on the screen at once to get everybody, like, looking, doing something decent. Cause there's... You
0: know who you know who is really bad about that? Who? Because um, we used to pull stills of our interviews, um, of, like, the different coaches and stuff, for the because in the olden days you couldn't take a still while you were doing it. Um So Rick Neuheisel, he's got, like, a really messed up lip situation when he's talking so that, like, every time he just looks snaggletoothed and, like, all snarled. um, And it was just impossible to do it. Whereas Mora had, like, a stone face. Like, every time, no matter what still you grabbed, as long as his eyes were open, it was the exact same expression. (laughs) It was incredible.
2: Fun. All right, well, we got five uh, five games coming up, two of them on the Pac-12 network. We got a couple FS1s, and we have an NBC. Um,
0: is there truck racing on Friday night? I,
2: hopefully not, but uh, we're going to start uh, Friday. This is a good time for Colorado. You know, you got like 10 guys injured. You want to make sure you have a short week and go on the road. We have Colorado Buffalo. They gotta go to Eugene to take on Oregon Ducks.
1: Yeah.
0: <sighs> All right. So this is a seven PMer on FS1, Colorado at number 13. Oregon. Oregon is favored by 20 and a half points. Oh God. So we were we were kind of screwed over by a couple of huge spreads last week. Yeah. Um, Oregon and Washington both. So Colorado, in the post-LaVisca Chenault era, one thing we've realized is they've got another receiver. His name is Tony Brown, and he's really good. Um, Steven Montez, wasn't super impressed with him last week, but he tends to go high and then low, high and then low, high and then low, so he could very well have a very good game in this one. Colorado is down a ton of starters, though. Um, They've got a bunch of injuries. A bunch of injuries happened in that game. Is Mustafa Johnson going to be back? Is LaVisca Chenault going to be back? There's no way of knowing. Um Oregon, on the other hand, they their offense appears to have some yeah, hiccups, some issues. Um CJ Verdell, we'll we'll see on his status. Um I'm just not loving these huge spreads in the Pac twelve. Um I'm gonna take Colorado. I, I I think they're gonna lose, um, but I, I don't know that I'm taking anybody to take a to to win a game by twenty points anymore. Now, so I, g- give me Colorado.
2: Yeah. I got to go with you. And and this pretty much guarantees it's going to be like a 70 to seven. Just, kind a, of thing. just yeah. an
0: absolute biblical thrashing of, of Colorado. But you yeah.
2: can't in good conscience, know that Oregon couldn't even score what the spread was last week, let alone cover it. I, uh, so I, I feel terrible about this, but you know, I think Colorado will keep it closer than this. Um, but, man, that's just that's just ugly. That's a lot of points. I just don't have I, – I can't, in good conscience, pick Oregon to cover a three-touchdown spread.
0: No. Yeah. Definitely but,
2: not. Which pretty much guarantees that they will. So, yeah, go to betmybookie.ag, mybookie.ag, and uh, bam. And bet, bet on Oregon. Yeah, bet on Oregon, <laughs> and you're probably going to be doing all right. Okay. Uh, this is uh Saturday. This is like the 1230-ish game. We have Washington State Cougars. <laughs> uh, they'll be on the road. This is a, a double bye week game, I guess.
0: Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, 1230 on the Pac-12 Network. Washington State at number 18, Arizona State. ASU is favored by two points, which feels... Pretty close to right. Um, I don't have a great feeling about this game either way. Um, Washington State's defense is probably terrible. Um, Arizona State's offense has been limited. Is that the kind of way of putting it? Yeah. Limited. Um, wa- Arizona State's defense has been really good, really solid this year. Washington State's offense has been excellent. Um It really does feel like it's weakness against weakness, strength against strength. Um, With all of that said, I think I'll take ASU minus two. Um, I think they're playing better football of late. Um, I like Jaden Daniels. Um, I think he'll be able to make some things happen offensively. This might be the first opportunity for Arizona State to really make some things happen offensively, you know, with their offensive line situation now figured out. And with this Washington State defense being particularly bad, um you know they could really do some things in this one so uh i'll take arizona state you know i think washington state will be able to score but i think asu's defense is up to the task of keeping them below their averages and uh it should be an arizona state win by i don't know like a touchdown
2: i'm gonna go with you as well uh washington State only covered one spread this whole season um they didn't have a line for northern colorado Maybe they would. They they won fifty nine to seventeen. I don't know. Maybe, but um, yeah, I'm going to go ASU as well. I just kind of feel like watching UCLA. It's like, does it, it makes me feel worse and worse about Washington State's uh, plight there? I'm going to go ASU. They're always going to keep it close. I think ASU wins by a field goal and they cover the two points. All right. So yeah. Let's go with that. Um, cool. Next up, uh, this is the one we talked about uh, on NBC. The the only out of conference game we have.
0: USC Trojans.
2: And you want to going do your Notre on the Dame road
0: time? to <laughs> number nine Notre Dame? The uh, luck of the Irish. Very Sounds good.
2: Like that. Yeah. That's all right. Usually, sometimes only you do a leprechaun. Gold. Yeah. Sometimes you do a leprechaun. I was going to say.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I was kind of caught off guard. Wasn't great. Okay. It was no, I thought it was. it was pretty good. It was all right. Like it wasn't my best work. Um, I'm disappointed in myself more than anything. <laughs> all right, at four thirty on NBC, USC at number nine, Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is favored by eleven points. Oh boy. Um, all right, let's look at what Notre Dame has done this year. For those of you not familiar with uh, the Irish. They uh, beat Louisville in the opener. Pretty bad Louisville team, I think. Uh, They beat New Mexico. Very bad New Mexico team, but they beat them by a lot. They lost at UGA uh, 23-17. And then they beat UVA at home. That's a ranked Virginia team, or at least it was at the time. uh, In a game that was probably closer than that final score appears. Um, And then they crushed the life out of Bowling Green last week in a little bit of a tune-up. Um, USC is, you know, they're a typical Clay Helton, USC team. Um, they've, they lost at Washington. They lost at BYU. Uh, those are two road games, which I believe is relevant information for this one. Also a road game. Um, I'm going to have to go with Notre Dame here. If only because, um, it's USC under Clay Helton. And um, I, I really think they're going to be three and three through six, and potentially firing their coach. So, yeah, give me Notre Dame. Um, I think they're just a fundamentally better team, and uh, and and USC is not equipped to win on the road.
2: Yeah, they're not. The USC's been terrible on the road. If you remember, two years ago they went to Notre Dame and out, got throttled. Um, uh, Notre Dame didn't have a bye week like USC did, but they sort of had this just kind of tune-up game, like you said, with Bowling Green. I think they're going to come in here. At their, well, they're going to go into the South Bend, just Notre Dame firing on all cylinders. I'm just not sure USC is going to be able to bounce back. They didn't really practice very physically. And for a team that doesn't tackle during the week, they kind of need those weekend games to tackle. So not having a game, it's sort of like you've backed off on your physicality. So I guess I think it's going to be a slow start for USC. Um, you know, if they can get the wide receivers involved, if they can get the run game going. Uh, You know, they'll be in it. But I just feel like Notre Dame's going to, by the second half, just outlast USC and and win by, like, two or three touchdowns. So I'll take Notre Dame as well. Yep. Um,
0: Will he get fired after this game?
2: Good question. There was definitely some rumors that things were happening. Um, And if they're closer to an athletic director at that point as well, then I think that would help. But it could be, yeah, if it's like a – A blowout. I think you could see it could be the end of Clay Helton. Typically, when they've hired fired guys midseason, it's always been before the Notre Dame game, but this year could be after it. So we'll see. All right. All right. uh, We got a couple of later games. Uh, First up, we have Utah Utes on the road taking on what could be four and one, if not for eight points. Oregon
1: State Beavers.
0: Okay. All right. Now this is going to be a game. It's a 5 p.m. game. This is primetime, baby. Oh, it's on the Pac-12 network. Um, So nobody can watch it, but it's on primetime. That's great. Uh, Number 15, Utah going on the road against Oregon State. Utah's a 14-point road favorite at mighty Oregon State in Corvallis? (whistles) Come on here, people. Um, yeah, Utah's really good. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I think Tyler Huntley's going to have a game um, and prove that this Oregon State defense didn't suddenly get right against UCLA. Um, I mean, obviously they didn't. They gave 31 points, but still. Um, Oregon State, though, that offense can move. Um, you came away not super impressed with Utah's secondary against USC. They certainly had a bounce-back game against Washington State. But Isaiah Hodgins is a dude, um, and I think they'll be able to connect uh, Jake Luton hasn't made really any mistakes this year. Um, no interceptions still. Our um, Davis Pierce, Jamar Jefferson, that's a good tandem of backs. Uh, was, I actually came away moderately impressed with that Oregon State offensive line uh, against UCLA because uh, the, the strength of UCLA's entire defense is probably their interior of uh, the defensive line, and Oregon State was still able to run the ball a little bit. So all of that to say – I'm going to take Oregon State plus the 14 here. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think they're going to cover this and I think uh you know, things can get weird in Corvallis. Wouldn't be shocked.
2: I really want to go opposite of you, but this is where I'm leaning towards. Two, uh Oregon State um you know, that the win over they looked better than Stanford uh in that game, but we saw Stanford play better too. So I mean, that's I think that that loss feels a little bit uh, better to be for Oregon State. I feel like they could keep it close against Utah. I don't like these big point spreads in the in the Pac-12 like to go on the road say you know say Utah's going to win by more than 14 on the road in conference. I I don't know. I think Utah wins the game, but I kind of feel confident that Oregon State's going to score some points and and maybe keep it close. So 14 to me is just too many. I can't, yeah, I, can't I can't take Utah on this one.
0: I think this game will be fun too. That's that's one thing I'll throw out there. Yeah. I think it'll be fun to watch.
2: So this one is it's on the same time as USC Notre Dame about okay. Yeah. So this is five o'clock West Coast uh game. So pretty cool. Yeah, eight PM Eastern, but it's Pac twelve network. So um I definitely one you want to watch. I'm curious to see what happens here. It would be pure Pac twelve if Utah gets knocked off and uh yeah. Um All right, then our last one, the nightcap. This could be some Pac-12 after dark action. We have Washington Huskies. They got to go on the road and take on Arizona Wildcats.
0: All right, yeah, this game's on at 8 p.m. I believe it's on FS1. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Washington traveling to the state of Arizona, which has not been kind to the Huskies. Uh, The line on this one is also not listed there. Let me pull it up. It is, it opened at Washington minus nine and a half and has since moved down to Washington minus six and a half. So definitely moving strongly in favor of the Wildcats. Um, So yeah, I'm having a tough time with this one because I've been sitting here thinking about it uh, for a while. Um, I think the line still might have some points for Arizona in it because, um, frankly, Arizona could win this game. Um, Khalil Tate, I, th- I, I looking at what Washington's defense was was doing against Stanford, I think this Arizona offense is certainly better. They're not constituted the same way, and maybe there were specific challenges presented by Stanford's offense that Arizona just won't present but I have to feel like they're going to stress um, Washington's defense in a lot of different ways, um, especially if Cleo Tate is one game more healthy, one game more able to run the ball. Um, and he really didn't need to against Colorado, but maybe in this one, he breaks out the legs a little bit more. Um, and then defensively, I mean, Arizona's going to get some pressure after Jacob Eason. Um, and I really haven't loved what I've seen out of Washington's offense this year. And I don't know if we know the status of Richard Newton, but, um, but given all that, yeah, I'll take Arizona.
2: Yeah, damn it, because I'm taking Arizona, too. So we we picked all the same again this week. So what okay, does that so mean? We're going one and four. We're probably going one and four. Um, yeah, like I l- wish we could have got it more than a touchdown. I'd feel a lot better about it. But six and a half is a bunch. I don't have the stat in front of me. But like Washington has been okay. Chris Peterson's not been great on the road. Washington has been awful in the state of Arizona. It's like they had one win in like in the last you know eight years or something. It was some crazy stat and it was like the year they went to the playoff and it was like barely beat like a three and nine Arizona team or something. It was it's some stat like that. like Washington has been awful playing in the state of Arizona. So I, getting six and a half points, Arizona's defense is playing much better. If Khalil Tate can do anything like what he did last week, uh, they you know I don't know about JJ Taylor, but they have a really deep group of running backs. They've shown everyone can kind of contribute there. Um, yeah, I like I I mean Arizona might win this game, but because you know a touchdown like I'm not going to give have Washington you know give that up. So I'm, I'm not going to I'll take the points in Arizona all day long on this one.
0: Yeah, let's get weird. All right, let's have Oregon State beat Utah, Arizona beat Washington. And just have it be full chaos.
2: Yeah, that would be good.
0: Have have Colorado knock off Oregon on Friday night. That'll be fun. Um, Do the whole thing.
2: And then Washington State beat Arizona State. And then everyone has two losses.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd take that.
2: Uh, it's definitely possible.
0: Oh, yeah. Hey, and uh, who's mercifully on a bye? Who is? Tell me.
2: Oh, who's on a bye? Um, let's see i don't have that in front of me uh do you well, i can tell you one okay ucla UC-
0: ucla bruins okay so on a, bye. UCLA's stanford, on a bye. Cardinal. stanford cardinal's on a bye
2: yeah that's pretty cool uh, uh cal cal's cal. on a bye
0: cal's on a bye so
2: um i think that's it i think that's it colorado utah so the bay area schools and the uh, so all the california schools except usc who they're playing notre dame so yeah Everyone else is.
0: But we do not have to watch another UCLA football game this weekend. That's That's an exciting time. Everybody wins. Yep. Yep.
2: Um, Good stuff. Okay. Well, should we get to uh, some questions?
0: Let's do. All right. Um, Where did we leave off last
2: I I got it here. First one is John. He said short, easy to read email. Dear. So you take this one. Okay. Yeah, I'll do the easy one. (laughs) Uh, I read through them. There's not too many like, Tongue twister ones. Uh, Dearest Ryan and Dave, if the California Fair Pay to Play Act was in effect right now, which Pac-12 player would you pay to endorse the podcast of champions and why? Thanks for being my friend, John and Brea.
0: Gosh. All right, so we got to pick somebody with a real following, right?
2: Well, I mean, you don't have to. Like, Like, you could go big name... You know, like Justin Herbert or something. You could do flashy Khalil Tate. You could do probably the best player, and someone is going to dispute this, but a, a LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I mean, should
0: we pick like the most, like the one who's been around the longest, who's not very good, but just kind of hangs around there and is just kind of. You know, doing the thing for a long time, plugging away with like the occasional highs and the and more more lows than that. So basically, I'm trying to find this year's Jake Browning.
2: Right, I was gonna say that sounds like Jake Browning. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, you could go outside of <laughs> like
0: Jake b- Luton. I, uh, Jake Luton. Jake Luton, I think, is the most podcast of champions player in the Pac-12.
2: He's pretty podcast of like Gardner Minshew would have been the guy last year, but it could yeah, be Jake, Jake Luton.
0: Luton. But Jake Luton is um he's almost too good this year to be the true Podcast of Champions player. He needs, like, six interceptions to go along with all those touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, no. He's got to throw six picks this week, but he's (laughs) definitely up there um, because he also clowned UCLA really hard, which is definitely (laughs) a theme of the Podcast of Champions. So I think he's the most on brand, Um, and he's also just been around forever, you know, been around six years. Um, So, yeah, I want Jake Luton to endorse the Podcast of Champions.
2: I might go outside the box and go, like, Evan Weaver, like – He's good too. And, you know, he's a defensive player and just brings it.
0: No, 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 because he's too good. No, you're not getting the theme, Ryan.
1: <laughs> well, Jeff Lute's too like, good. Like, I mean,
0: he's too good this year, but, like, if you look at his career, it's not that great. True. Um, Plus, he's super yeah. tall. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we're going like just pure flash, I want Cleo Tate. I think that'd be fun.
2: Yeah. You um,
0: could do like a fun ad for it too.
2: Oh, that'd be good. All right thanks john for that um oh. all
0: right this is a text message from joe in arizona uh it's 8 p.m on thursday asu and the pac-12 network have been promoting asu at cal for the drive this week to air at seven thirty p.m i set my dvr the title says asu at cal the actual episode is ucla at wazoo and we wonder why this conference sucks i'm sure they've never had this issue with water polo <laughs> beautiful yeah and then he said he sent us screen caps of the the game and what it says on the uh on the uh description of the show and he is right
2: yeah it's showing (laughs) uh one thing it's
0: teaching you a lesson that you probably shouldn't want to watch asu at cal when you could watch ucla at at washington state
2: yeah that Uh,
0: game was drunk
2: it's very drunk yes all right, this is uh, from our, our buddy Hugh Janus again. Um, Bruins still suck, he says. Hey, Ryan and Dave, it's your old pal Hugh Janus again. I was talking with my friends Hugh Jashole, or I think I think it's pronounced Jashole. Yes. And uh, <laughs> his friend Dixie wrecked <laughs> last week. Uh, Dixie wrecked uh, last week about the Pac twelve. We would like to give you boys a few more fill-in-the-blank questions this week. So to this is a uh, collaborative effort with Hugh Janus, uh, Hugh Jazzle and Dixie Uh If you were, I'm uh, <laughs> sorry, if I were Pac-12 commissioner for a day, the first thing I would try to fix would be?
0: For a day? What yeah. can you fix in a day?
2: Holy crap, yeah. <sighs> um... I'll go officiating. I think you could. Yeah, fix officiating a lot of that a is
0: maybe the thing that you would try to do in a day. Yeah. Which is just review all the processes and then fire a bunch of people.
2: Right. Lots of firings and uh write some rules. Yeah. Okay. Number two, the U dollar sign C basketball program blank be severely punished by the NCAA for infractions within the next year. Um I'll go will not. Should. Oh, okay. That's different. <laughs> I like
0: that.
2: <laughs> cool. All right. Three.
0: Actually, I mean, in a in a in an absolute like reading the lines of the laws should. In like a, a broad sense, no, nobody should be punished by the NCAA. Okay.
2: Three. Chip Kelly Chip Kelly will last blank more years as UCLA's coach.
0: At most one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um I'll say Will last less than two more years.
0: Yeah, that's fine.
2: Four in the history of the Pac-12, Blake is the best football coach in the the best football coach the conference has ever seen. This is easy. Are you going McKay there? No, uh, Rick Neuheisel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see my catharsis on my Twitter yes, this week? I did. I <laughs> would take Rick Neuheisel without even blinking right now over Chip Kelly, which.
2: I mean, that's baffling to me. But, yeah, just as much as you hate Rick Neuheisel.
0: I would, I would do it without blinking, without stuttering even a bit. Yeah. Um, because – and I would – honestly, I would make the case to bring him in as the interim if you, like, somehow – like, Chip Kelly decides to quit right now or whatever. Um, because, okay, just have Rick go in there for six weeks or whatever, recruit the hell out of the job, and leave some actual talent for the next coach. Yeah. You'll
2: do it. Yeah. I'd probably either, either go Howard Jones but that's so long ago. I'd probably go John McKay.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably right. But, I mean, I think you can make arguments for Don James. Um, think you can make an argument for Red Sanders maybe? Yeah, back um, in the day.
2: Um, I mean, Terry Donahue like longevity, you know. I don't know.
0: Uh, I don't know about I don't know about Touchdown Terry. Um maybe maybe Pete? I don't know. Chip Kelly in the previous iteration?
2: Yeah, I mean there's those yeah, guys were wor-
0: kind of, you get kinda of wonky at that point. Yeah. No, I think it's probably McKay. It
2: would probably have to be him. Um five currently, comma, blank, has the best football uniforms in the conference.
0: Oh, I don't care. I just I yeah, so yeah, I'm so, so I'm still not a uniform guy. Um, all right. So who can you eliminate? I, I think Washingtons are still kinda bad, but they got better this year. Um Oregon it's so hard to tell. Yeah. Oregon State. Uh my mom likes the color scheme. Um
2: And it's Halloween sta- time so.
0: Yeah, Stanford's are just kind of boring. Uh Cows or whatever. Uh Utah.
2: I, I kind of like Utah.
0: Yeah, they're good. Colorado I kind of like the silver they break out occasionally. Um Arizona schools I'm going to give them a no and a no. Yeah. I mean, SC's Uh, got a
2: classic thing. No names on the jerseys. UCLA
0: UCLA always gets the credit for the blue and the gold. Um, I don't know. I don't
2: care. Yeah, I'm just just not into the uniforms thing. Yeah. Uh, Six, other than Justin Herbert, blank will be the next player drafted by the NFL next year. Mm. Um, I
0: mean... I don't look at NFL draft boards at all. You know...
2: Well, you know, he was a sophomore last year, right? Uh, he's a junior. He's yeah. a junior. I mean, LaVisca, right? Like,
0: LaVisca's an option. He's been kind of dinged up for two years now. I don't know if that's going to That's true. That might hurt long.
2: him. Khal- uh, Khalil Tate.
0: Yeah, I don't see him getting drafted that high. Um,
2: I really haven't looked at too many...
0: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done any NFL draft mocking, so I'll go Eno for lack of anything. Better. Yeah,
2: and there's got to be a couple of defensive players. There's
0: probably defensive players, and we're like everybody else. We, we are complete idiots for offense. Yeah, uh,
2: but like I got like Weaver. Like I don't I, – I haven't I – I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he's going to – I don't think he's a – Yeah, he's a production guy. I don't know NFL. if he's going to be like a super high pick kind of thing. Yeah. Um All right. Uh, seven, my favorite football stadium in the conference is
0: – Husky Stadium.
2: I like Husky Stadium. I mean, I love the Rose Bowl, but I don't like some things about the Rose Bowl.
0: Don't say you love the Rose Bowl. Like, yeah, it's 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 really nice to be in Pasadena and stare at some mountains while you're watching a football game, but do you, like, love the stupid bowl? No, I don't really. Yeah, it's just a bowl. It's a yeah. just whatever.
2: The Coliseum's a lot worse now. They got the building in it and stuff, but. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like the history of those two stadiums. Like been around, you know, like a hundred years. Like that's kind of cool. Um, they they I built like those the history stadium- of
0: Mongolia. I don't want to visit <laughs> there.
2: But when they built those stadiums, like Los Angeles didn't have much more than like a hundred thousand people in the city, and they built a stadium that could fit like the whole city in there. So they got to have some foresight to like figure out. Oh, you know, in yeah, a few to, years
0: to build build a stadium that will embarrass the team a hundred years later when twenty thousand people show up. <laughs>
2: How many people were at the Rose Bowl for that game? It didn't look like a so lot.
0: So they announced 48. I'd be shocked. Are you if, kidding me? I'd yeah. be shocked if the turnstile was anything over like 30.
2: Yeah. They, and um, they filled
0: it out with a ton of band, too. Like it was a bunch of high school bands there. Not great.
2: No. And last one of the 12 current football head coaches in the conference, Blank will, Clay Helton. Yeah. Blank will be the first one fired. Clay Helton for sure. Thanks, as always, for the great podcast. Keep up the good work. Your pal, Hugh Janus.
0: All right. Good stuff, Hugh. Yeah, thanks,
2: Hugh and Hugh and Dixie.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, uh, this is from Ryan Chicago. Has anyone ever suggested that Oregon's O looks like a toilet? If you had to poop on Oregon's field, would you go in the middle of the O or elsewhere? All right. Let me get a picture. Let me get a visual on Oregon's. (laughs) Does this come up a lot like if you had
2: to poop on the field, where would you go?
0: I want to I, no. I, I want like a blimp image of the field. Hold on, let me see if I can find one. Yeah, because I need to. It depends to, what kind of oh, toilet. I answer this. There's I want to ra- answer this question. Yeah, there's, correctly. There's round
2: toilets and there's you know oval toilets. There's different kinds. Um, so I don't know. I never heard that the Oregon O oh, looked like a toilet.
0: No, I haven't heard that one either. And why would um, I, you have
2: to poop on the field?
0: I mean, it definitely does have some toilet elements. I think there would need to be a little bit more thickness on the top and bottom of the O as well. Um, Otherwise, it's just... That doesn't look like any toilet seat I've ever seen. Mm. Um, If it's a little bit thin at the top and the bottom. I think definitely the the seat, like the true place where your butt cheeks are going, I think that looks right. Um, But the rest of it, I think they would need to expand the width a little bit. Yeah, the back's not Um, usually thin. As for places I would poop... On the field, I think I got to go on one of the Pac-12 logos, <laughs> right? I mean, if we're if we're really trying to make a statement, I don't have any hard feelings or, or I don't have any feelings generally about Oregon. Uh, but the Pac-12, I mean, taking a dump on the emblem wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have happened to it.
2: Yeah, that or like one of the corporate sponsors. You know, like that's probably where I would go. Like if you're yeah. drunk and you're like find yourself in the field and you got to poop. That's probably where so I So if it's So it.
0: if it's a Friday night for you <laughs> in Eugene, um, you would just go poop on the uh, on the corporate sponsorships. I don't think they have – well, I'm trying to see. I, and this isn't a game picture I'm seeing. I'm just seeing like a top-down. Um, I don't see any corporate sponsorships. It's mostly just the Pac-12 logos and then Big Oregon in the end zone. Um, you could poop in one of the zeros on the yard lines. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that would look, that would be more toilet size. Cause the problem is like the O is not like, to- yeah. it's more like swimming pool size. Like,
0: that's the thing. You'd be more or less like standing in the toilet, right? Trying to poop, right? Um, but the O, the zeros in the, um, I mean, still those are big. I mean, if we're looking at scale, I mean, you're not sitting right in, like a toilet, but you could still maybe, that's you know, more have your feet on one side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could maybe stand on that and poop onto it. Um,
2: People needed to know these things, so I'm glad.
0: (laughs) Look, we answer the questions that are asked, and that's what we do here.
2: Honest to God, we didn't make that up. Someone sent that in. All right, this is uh, from Pumpy. Peterson is the subject. Peterson is too stubborn to ever win big at Washington. I'm about 12 beers deep, but even I have enough clarity to know when it's time to hand over the reins of the offense. His unwillingness to play anyone but his... Uh, Jag wide receivers that drop more passes than they catch solely because they are seniors have led to another indefensible loss. Why run on third down to set up fourth and short only to throw deep. He's convinced he's a genius yet. My drunk and blurry football mind easily finds his flaws. I went to UW during the Willingham years and I wish I could go back to not caring like I did then until Peterson's let's, Until Peterson lets go of the offense, Washington will never win a New Year's Six Bowl. Pumpy and Maltby.
0: Okay, so look, everyone has the the ability. Everyone can vent after a game like that. I understand the frustration. But Washington fans are out of control after this game. Like, have you noticed this? Yes. The ones on Twitter, just they're out of their minds about this thing. And I'm like, Maybe it's a little bit of a down year, but, I mean, dudes, it's still, like, the clear, like, it's a top three team in the league this year. Um, Recruiting's going fantastic. Like, you're probably going to reload and be back to being super elite soon here. I mean, just, this was a program that, like, 10 years ago went winless, and now it's consistently competing for the conference title. And, okay, I understand if you you want them to get back to the playoff and, and, you know, make a a positive step forward from the last couple of years, and they're, you know, not going to do that this year. Um, But they still have a real shot at winning the league um, because Oregon, you know, all they have to do is trip up one other time besides the Washington-Oregon game, and then you're back in business. Um, But it's just – pump the brakes, guys. It's going to be okay. Now – Are there some legitimate criticisms with that offense and what he's trying to do and and whether he's playing the right guys at wide receiver? Yeah, I think so. But, man, I mean, when you go back to it, and we kind of hand-waved it, but they did lose, like, seven or eight starters on defense. Wasn't it something like that?
2: Yeah, I think eight, eight or nine or something. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, a little bit of a rebuild for any team – losing that many starters on a particular side of the ball would be normal. Um, And, you know, Washington has been fine this year, even with that. So I don't know. And, you know, that's the thousand foot view and we're not in it. So I understand you've probably got a bunch of detail and you're looking at things much more detailed way than we are. Um, But the thousand foot view is this is all still going fine and going great. And uh, I think there's, at minimum, what nine other programs in the Pac-12 who would switch places with you in a heartbeat?
2: Yeah, didn't someone so. someone tweeted us was like Washington should be like number fifteen in the power rankings this week or something?
0: And I tweeted something in all caps in response to them.
2: <laughs> yes, that was funny. <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, Think you're right. up? Is right. it me? Yeah.
0: Ah, oh. this is from Matt from Tree Country, Stanford. Hi guys. Oh, so we found another one. Is this a new one? What do you mean? This is a new Stanford fan, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is number, okay. number three. Hey, we
0: found another one. Number, All right.
2: Number three.
0: Yeah. Uh, can we eliminate the garbage discussion about Stanford being the worst team in the conference? Yes. Are the Cardinal great? No. Are they going to bowl, to a bowl? Probably not. I don't know. They I, might. Let's answer, yeah. let's answer that question right now. Okay. Right. So Stanford right now is, what are they? Three uh, and three. Uh, Three and three. Oh, wow. Okay, so they're already three and three. They've gotten through um, Washington. They've already played Oregon. They lost, but they got through them. Um, and they've already played USC. So that's three of the better-ish teams in the Pac-12 already. So they get UCLA at home on a Thursday night. I, you gotta you got to think that's a win at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's four and three. Then you get Arizona at home. Colorado on the road, Washington State on the road, Cal at home, and then Notre Dame at home. So Notre Dame's probable loss, UCLA probable win. So four and four. So they've got to take two of Arizona, Colorado, Washington State, and Cal. And two of those that's teams are totally belo- doable. Yeah, Colorado totally and Washington
2: doable. State are below them right now in our power rankings. So they have three teams below them on the schedule. So that's that's completely doable.
0: If they can get some quarterback health. If it's Jack West out there, then all bets are off. But yeah. all bets are off except for them losing to UCLA. I mean, except for them beating UCLA, I should say. Um, that's, that's still on no matter who's playing quarterback for them as long as they can throw a football.
2: I think they can. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, all right.
0: So, wait. and then he said, uh, they're clearly not the worst team in the conference. They are dangerous at home and inconsistent at best on the road. There's no way that the recruiting classes that David Shaw has put together are going to result in the worst team in the conference. They have enough talent to back into or accidentally win a few conference games. Thanks for the podcast. Matt from Tree Country. Um, yeah. I mean, up until the organ- up until this past game, they did look like they were the worst team in the conference, and now they obviously are not. So, yeah, I agree with you.
2: Yeah, thanks. Think. Thanks, Matt. We we were just flirting with them because it was fun when they were down, you know. But
0: they've won. It's fun for me as a UCLA person to think about Stanford being very bad. Right, but obviously. But
2: now they've won two in a row. And uh yeah. So nice bounce back there. And they looked completely different against Washington. So good on David Shaw, good on the Cardinal. Uh this one is from Robert. Uh he's from Scottsdale. Brian Fenley is a chip homer. Um, why does your man, Brian Fenley, have such a blind spot for Chip Kelly and his shortcomings? He's essentially blamed the entire season on DTR, predicting that with Burton at the helm, UCLA would beat Oregon State 35-17. to uh, Azenaro and the whole defensive staff needs to go, Chip needs to go, with the blur and run tempo. We need to always have Felton on the field, and we in all caps, need to recruit. Other than that, we're fine. Robert from Scottsdale.
0: I don't know who Brian Fenley is. I don't either. Let me look up Brian Fenley. Okay, so Brian Fenley is a Fox Sports radio guy. Follows me on Twitter. Oh. Okay. Um, And he is... Okay, so he's the UCLA IMG college host on AM570. So he's like the UCLA home announcer. I wouldn't take... okay too much from what he's doing. Not to, I I haven't listened to him, so I don't know. Um, but, um, I wouldn't take like too much, you know, you know, this is, he's, he's doing the home team announcing. That's not, you know, you're not looking there for super objective analysis. Um, so anyway, um, I agree with, uh, the defensive staff definitely needs changes. Uh, chip needs to go blur and run tempo. Um, have Felton on the field at least like sixty percent of the time for sure. And yeah, recruiting's important for college football. So your prescription is right on Robert from Scottsdale. Nice Robert. S- all right. Sorry we didn't uh, know who
2: that dude was, but
0: I don't know. Yeah, I know. And and Brian, if you're listening, sorry. I, I I am I am a very, very half paying attention to sports journalism. <laughs> I I do not I do not do enough. Um all right, so this is from Mark Uh, Take two on UCLA's 2017 coaching search. Uh, Hi, Ryan and Dave. Big fan of the podcast. I think I look forward more to listening to your podcast every week than actually watching Pac-12 football and watching the conference implode on itself and help feed Larry Scott's parody fetish. Looking back at the... Herocious. First year and a half of the Chip Kelly tenure at UCLA, one can't help but wonder what things would look like with a different head coach, including Mora. The decision to let Mora go was justified, but I don't think so many players would have left the program, and we'd be in a position to make a bull this year. At the time, it seemed like a slam-dunk hire for UCLA, and you dollar sign C fans who were trying desperately to bash the hire at the time now look like they somehow had great foresight about the impending doom for UCLA football. Looking back at the available head coach candidates for UCLA football, keeping in mind their accomplishments and direction at the time and their achievements now, who should UCLA have hired in 2017? Thanks again for the witty and insightful commentary and analysis. It helps me get through the slow work days in LA traffic. Go Bruins.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, Hey, you know, me, I was saying home run higher. This is the greatest thing. Best thing UCLA's done. And that was wrong. So I don't know. And I wasn't trolling. I, mean, it, I, I believe it, that. It, so
0: it was, <laughs> was i mean i know here's the thing i think if you go back to 2017 with uh 2020 hindsight yeah you wouldn't hire chip kelly but if you're operating with the facts then you're hiring chip kelly i mean that's just what you're doing um so and in the situation where you don't hire chip kelly who's who's then available does that mean chip kelly went to florida and do you have dan mullen available because if you have dan mullen available you hire dan mullen um But otherwise, I mean, I don't know that there were great options available at that time. Um,
2: I mean, Jonathan Smith, he's got a better record so far.
0: (laughs) Um, Like, are you going to hire Kevin Sumlin who went to Arizona? I don't think so. I don't think that would be a great hire. I mean, could have taken a run at Dino Babers, Syracuse head coach. Uh, Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator at LSU, he's got California ties. Um, but no, I mean, I don't think there was another obvious guy. I think if you're going back, you're, you're seeing if, okay. So if that means that, that you don't hire Chip Kelly and then he, maybe he goes to Florida and takes their offer, then I would take Dan Mullen in a heartbeat. Um, but otherwise, I don't know, make a real run at Kyle Whittingham. That sounds fine.
2: Yeah. It's one of those things where you did the right thing. Like the results aren't great, but nobody was, I mean, maybe there's some USC fans that did. And you know, like our beat writer, Dan Weber is like, he's not going to be the same. I'm like, Dan, you're crazy. He's going to be awesome. And I was wrong. You know, he's not, he's not been awesome, but I, you did the right thing. Your UCLA, like that was a huge deal. Like I, I, you can't get blamed for doing that. So yes, it hasn't worked out. It doesn't look like it's going to work out, but it's it's not one of those things where you hired like this really questionable guy. And then have to go, well, why did we hire it? What if we did something else? Like, you shouldn't have done anything else. You did exactly what was right, and it just didn't work.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Um, I think you got to do this one.
0: Okay. Stuart from Bozeman, Montana. Uh, Fair pay-to-play act. Ryan and David, in last week's podcast, you called the fair pay-to-play act great and wonderful and that it would be a boon for Olympic sports participants who who could first, Stuart, this thing is long as hell, man. Just yeah. letting you know. This thing is long as hell. Um, when, when you're thinking about writing another email, like, think a third of this, okay? Because I can tell you right now, we're going to get to the end of this thing. Ryan will have forgotten everything in the middle. I will have forgotten everything I read, and we're not going to have any coherent response. So I'm just telling you now. Um And that it would be a boon for Olympic sports participants who could now make some money from their talent and reputation. When answering email questions later in the podcast, however, you showed just why the legislation is not only bad for competitive football, but will ultimately hurt Olympic sports as well. One of your listeners, a 23-year-old Oregon State fan, asked if the Beavers will ever be competitive, and your response was to read a John Canzano piece about investing more in facilities and that Corvallis was isolated and hard to recruit to, even though Corvallis is actually closer to Portland than is Eugene and is right off I-5. The next listener asked if Oregon State would be the better school had Phil Knight donated tens of millions to Oregon State instead of Oregon, and you correctly stated that this was likely true as neither program had amounted to much before the influx of Nike millions. It's all about the money, and Oregon-Oregon State relationship to demonstrates why. Oregon went the entire 20th century without a single 10-win season, and went to a grand total of two Rose Bowl in 89 seasons between two Rose Bowls in 89 seasons between 1920 and 2009. Why is Oregon relevant today when it was wholly irrelevant for over 100 years? Phil Knight and Nike. Now let's fast forward to 2023, and college football has settled on some form of national fair pay-to-play standard. Oregon football offers elite players absurd spokesman contracts for the Phil Knight Auto Plaza, while the offensive linemen all receive $20,000 per year for being the Golden Corral Boys. Whatever Oregon State can offer players in terms of sponsorships is dwarfed by whatever Nike you can offer, and the talent gap continues to widen. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. How is that actually fundamentally meaningfully different than the relationship right now between Oregon and Oregon State? How often is Oregon State beating Oregon for a single football player?
2: Yeah, doesn't that both happen.
0: Schools want it. Doesn't really happen. How is that changing this? Except that it's putting more hands in the more money in the hands of players.
2: Yeah, and I think there's anyway. pe- people that make the arguments too that if if Nike's going to put up a bunch of money for Oregon players, um, that's not going to sit well with other Nike schools. So then you could have people pulling out. So it it might not make business sense to keep to do something like that for Nike because you can't upset your other schools. You have a lot of schools under that umbrella. If you're only doing this for Oregon players and not other schools that are, you know, there's big brands that have Nike, um, if you're not doing it for them, also, then it just doesn't make much sense. So, I, it-
0: well, and no matter what the payouts end up being in college football, they're going to be dwarfed by NFL contracts and the kind of guys who you're talking about, elite players. Like, say, so basically, the, the 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 fear is that a school like Oregon, which has a bunch of money behind it, or any of these SEC schools, will just load up their entire roster with like four and five star players. Those dudes want to play too because they still need to show something if they're going to make an NFL team and get a real contract. Um, it's not like each of these guys is going to be getting millions upon millions of dollars to play or not play or sit on a bench. Um, the money's the money that's already in athletics might increase a little bit, but mostly it's just going to be distributed better. Um, you know, uh, previously, uh, uh, you know, this marketing contract might've gone to the school or whatever, and now they divvy it up among the players or whatever. Um, but it's not, I don't. I don't think it's going to meaningfully change how recruiting goes. I don't think no. it's really going to change how the balance of power works in college football. It's just going to distribute more money to the players, which is a fair and equitable thing.
2: And you might have guys like Isaiah Hodgins or Jamar Jefferson like making a bunch of money as stars at Oregon State. Where if they were at Oregon or Washington or USC, maybe they're just one of the guys or something. So, I mean, there's there's definitely some... Great opportunities here. Uh, Hey, Dave, real quick. The second half of this email by Stewart is brought to you by BetMyBookie. This this is long enough that it needs its own sponsorship. All right, so part two of the email.
0: (laughs) Oregon State, unable to compete off the field, becomes even less relevant on the field, like a Mountain West school that can occasionally compete, but is likely to lose to Oregon nine times out of every ten games. Oregon State revenue suffers as a result due to a more and more apathetic fan base. The Beavers are then forced to cut Olympic programs, including their otherwise successful baseball and softball programs, because, as we all know, football drives the bus. If the football team loses money, the athletic department is not going to make that up from softball ticket sales. Paying players wins the day, but only for schools like Oregon who can afford to keep up in the fair pay-to-play era. No longer able to woo recruits with its 2,356th uniform combination and discovering that adding yet another acre to the weight room facilities is bound by the law of diminishing returns, going is saved by being able to throw money directly at the players instead of facilities. As followers of USC and UCLA, you don't need to worry about the new legislation as your teams will survive. Other programs will not, reducing the number of competitive programs and ultimately the future livelihood of the sport. Stuart from both <laughs> I appreciate your outlook on this. I think it is um, playing on some fears and some ideas about the way this is going to work that I don't think are going to be borne out by reality. You're anticipating such a huge amount of money being invested in this, and I just really am having a hard time seeing it, especially at the recruiting level. Like the amount of investment you might put into a, you know, the top 50 guys every year, I could see that. I could see those guys, you know, maybe they get a contract that's going to pay them a whole million dollars a year, right? Like to endorse something, whatever. Maybe let's just throw that out there. But after that, it is such a crapshoot like whether a particular guy is going to turn out to be great, um, that it's, I, it's football. I mean, it does take a lot of time for these guys to develop physically to play the game at the, at the NFL level. Um, I, I just don't see, at the again, at the recruiting period, when they're 17, 18 years old, that a lot of businesses and these other things are going to think it's a good and worthwhile investment to put millions upon millions of dollars into getting these guys in. So if we're talking about Oregon state doesn't have a couple of boosters who are willing to like throw 50 grand at the occasional guy, which is what you're going to get to when it's down to like the, I mean, where's Oregon state typically recruiting? Like they might get a few top 300 guys every now and then, but most of the time you are talking about developable talent. That's in the three-star range. Um, Those guys aren't going to be commanding a huge marketing budget. Um, Oregon state can continue to do what Oregon state has done. um, And, what it's going to be at Oregon State is the same thing it's always been. When you have a good coach who's really good at developing talent and has a really good scheme, you're going to win some games. And when you don't, you're going to lose really bad. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be really dependent on you guys nailing hires, and that's what it is. Um, Oregon has a different deal because, yes, they have a lot of money. They have a brand now that recruits to itself to a certain extent. Um, but it's – Oregon State, their 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 place in the college football universe isn't going to change based off this. I mean, it's still going to be the same thing, which is a tough existence right now. Um, but it's still going to be that same thing. I mean, I, I I really don't see it changing, and I don't I, I don't think I'm being disingenuous there. I really don't see it.
2: No, I agree with you, and I think if you listen to the John Wilner interview, uh, Larry Scott comes out, you know, definitely against this, and talks about unintended consequences. I think unintended consequences can really happen, but it might be different than what you think. I don't think any of us know at this point. It's one of those things where you're going to set this in motion, mostly because it's the right thing to do. And then there might be some things that you didn't even realize were benefits that come out of it. And then there's other things that were like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen either. Um, I don't think you can go into this scared. And I don't think you can go to it thinking that, the Oregon states of the world and the Iowa states and the Rutgers, like they're going to lose their football programs and then lose all their Olympic sports. I just think that's so that's so doom and gloomy. I just there's no way you can know that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I there, it's I think it's impossible to project something like that happening. Something worse might happen for some schools. Who knows? But my guess is there's going to be some benefits for everybody. Where what do you do now? Like does Oregon State get four and five star guys. No, but they figure out that why do they got studs on the team that, you know, their names, like, where did they come from? I think you figure out what's best for your situation. If you're Miami, you're a big name program. You've, you recruit South Florida, you know, USC and UCLA or in ll L in Los Angeles, where there's tons of players all around them. If you're not in that kind of situation, you have to do other things. And Some of it's development. Some of it's finding diamonds in the rough. And you do, I think everyone will adjust to make it work for their situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
2: Uh, We got this from Joshua Hot Seat. Hey, Ryan and Dave. This is your loyal listener from Arkansas, Joshua. Hey, Joshua. Uh, With every Pac-12 team at least five games through the schedule, which coaches are legit on the hot seat? Everyone says Chip and Clay. But USC doesn't have an athletic director, and realistically, Clay won't be fired until the new AD is in place. I'm not sure that's true, uh, Joshua. UCLA's athletic director is retiring in June, June of, uh, yeah, June of 2020, right? Yep. Uh, does he fire Chip before then? I doubt it. So, are there any dark horse hot seat candidates out there? I weirdly feel like all the Pac-12 coaches are safe bets to be coaching again next year, unless USC finishes their AD search before Thanksgiving. Ryan, is there any news on that front? Thanks, guys. Love the show, Joshua. Um, I think everyone um, else is safe. Look up and down outside of the LA schools. You're not getting there isn't rid of
1: another
0: one that's obvious. No, I mean no. The Arizona, Arizona schools, schools are not going anywhere. No.
2: Yeah. Herm is not. Um, Whittingham's not. Mel Tucker's not.
0: David J- Shaw not.
2: Justin Wilcox not. You know Chris Peterson, Mike Leach, uh, Cristobal, Jonathan. You know. I mean, the Oregon State just yeah they just beat UCLA by 17 points. Like he's not going. No, anywhere. they're
0: clearly on the upward tick. I mean they're they're moving upward in the world.
2: Yeah, so everyone else I think is safe. Um, you could have an athletic director in place, Joshua at USC, in the next couple of weeks. It might take. I, I don't think they're going to. They're not going to wait till Thanksgiving. I think they have to do it before then. And my my guess is that Clay Helton's fired. No matter almost no matter what. Uh, you know, if they go on the road and beat Notre Dame and beat Oregon at home and make some kind of crazy run, like maybe, but outside of that, you might have another in season firing. They've done that the last two coaches in season, but I think, and ideally you don't want to do it all the time, but because of the early signing period and USC's recruiting class is as bad as I've ever seen. I've never seen one this bad in October. They're ranked like 62nd. Um, Never happened before. So, To save a recruiting class, you can't really just wait until January anymore. Like You have to have someone in place faster than that. So I think they need to move. Um, If you make the decision you're going in another direction, which I think they already have, uh, then you make the move. So uh, we'll see. There could be some fireworks over the next couple weeks. It's never boring covering USC, and it probably won't be, like I said, over the next couple weeks.
0: Uh, Do you know where UCLA is ranked in recruiting?
2: Um, Ahead of USC or below?
0: 76. Ooh, that's bad. And I can't remember the last time they were this bad at this point. I mean, last year, I mean, they were bad, but it wasn't this bad at this point. Um, and it doesn't show any signs of getting a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, so UCLA is also pretty much dead in the water uh, year two of Chip Kelly in recruiting as well as on the field. Um, so the Chip Kelly's thing is obviously. Uh, more of a, a nuanced situation and mo- much more of an unlikely situation um, because it's year two for Chip Kelly. Um, it's obvious though, that things are at disaster level um, that things are not going right and that they have very little hope of suddenly going right. Um, he's four and 14 um, they're They look worse through six than they looked through six last season. Um, when they went one and five last year, but they didn't have any loss that was as bad as losing to Oregon state at home by 17. Um, So there's a, I mean, there's some noise about it. Um, I don't know if it's going to rise to the point where he actually does get fired at the end of the year. I would bet against it right now, but I also would say it's pretty likely that they go something like two and 10 this year. Um, And one and 11 is totally on the table. Um, I'm just saying in aggregate, they probably take one of those six. Um, But that's totally on the table. And when that kind of horrible record is on the table, it's hard to predict anything. I think there's a lot of people at UCLA right now who are like, no, he's safe. There's no way this is happening. Things get weird when you have a season as bad as one in 11. Um, and I don't know what form that'll take. You never really know, but guys might transfer out in droves. Um, just weird stuff might happen and you just can't predict it. So, um, I think if you're talking about, you know, dark horse hot seat candidates, I think chip is more that than legitimate hot seat. If only because for UCLA to actually summon the nerve to fire a coach after two years would take an act of God. Um, They just, they don't have that in them. I think USC certainly would, but UCLA doesn't really do that. Um, But if things get really bad, I don't know. I don't think you can rule out any scenario. So I, I do I do think it's possible that happens um, if they go one and eleven and there's a complete mutiny, guys transferring out and they look bad going one and eleven um, and recruiting continues to be in the tank. I don't know if UCLA will have a real choice. I mean, it, it uh, ticket sales are already horrible. Um, they're already struggling to fill even their the the one shady side of the Rose Bowl, let alone the entire bowl. Um, I don't know if they can afford it to be just absolutely embarrassing going into next year um, and not being able to sell season tickets. So yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah.
2: You definitely need over the next six games yeah, at Stanford, ASU, Colorado, and then at Utah, at USC and Cal, you got to get a win somewhere in there because if you don't, David, you're looking at one and 11, but much worse Is you were this close to having a perfect season and you blew it by getting six turnovers from Washington State and coming back. So,
0: honestly, like, you got to win another game. You have to win another game so you don't even have to think about that. It would have been so historic. (laughs) Like, it would have been so cool.
2: Like, Washington still talks about it 10 years later. Look,
0: you're going to be bad no matter what. Why not be historically bad? (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. All right. This is me.
2: Uh, I think so, yeah.
0: Chip Kelly conspiracy theories from Alex and SB. Hello, David and Ryan. After humiliating 17-point home loss to Oregon State this past weekend, I couldn't help but think there is no way Chip Kelly actually thinks that what he's doing with this program will lead to success. And so my mind has wandered into the realm of conspiracy. What do you think of the following options? One, He's a secret USC fanboy. He comes in, runs all the talent off the roster, doesn't recruit, creators the program and then takes over for Helton this offseason and wins 3 national championships in the next 5 years. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's a better explanation than whatever the reality <laughs> is. I'll take it. <laughs> why like why would you come in and run this offense, hire like a bunch of your retired buddies to run the defense, um unless you were trying to deliberately crater the thing.
2: Uh I He's not trying. He's not trying to crater it.
0: I know. Well, you could have stopped it. He's not trying. Um, but uh, uh, no. But it's it's this is a better explanation than the reality, which is that he actually thinks this is the right way to go, which is baffling.
2: To right. Me. Yes.
0: Um, two, a nine million dollar buyout is nice, but he has gambling debts in the tens of millions. He's intentionally throwing games and betting big on the other team to make back his money.
2: Hmm. Let's see.
0: I don't think they're doing well. ATS.
2: Okay. So didn't cover. They, Cincinnati, they didn't cover. They covered against Arizona. Uh, they covered yes, against they, Washington okay, so State.
0: They, they All right, I'll tell you what. They didn't cover against Cincinnati. They didn't cover against San Diego State. They didn't cover against Oklahoma. They covered against Washington State. They covered against Arizona. So they didn't cover against Oregon two State. Two and four. So two and four.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's that's a pretty good profit. If you're
0: yeah, and he's keeping it hidden, so he only bet on four of those games. Right.
2: Oh, okay. That's good.
0: That seems right. Well, actually, he might have bet on Washington State, and then it just turned out that his team just decided they were going to win the game instead. Because <laughs> that was thirty-two point.
2: Oh, they were yeah, you know. they were not caught. Or
0: maybe he maybe he realized that he'd bet the wrong way on it. Like he checked his slip at half. Oh and crap! He's like, oh shit! I need to actually try to make this back up. And so that's why they went on that run. Yeah, because that was a 20-point. Running, running what has looked most like his blur offense since he's been at UCLA. That's the explanation. I think Alex has nailed it. Uh, three, three. the real Chip Kelly is locked in Larry Scott's basement as he feared a conference team dominating and would rather see parity of every team in the conference getting an extra win against UCLA playing a robot clone.
2: Ooh. Mm. Three, three's uh, got me curious, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like it. Is this really so far-fetched? David, your Twitter feed is the only good thing about UCLA football <laughs> the last two years. Alex. Thanks, Alex. Uh, that might be – I
2: think that's Alex. Maybe that's – I don't know. It is – yeah, I think that's Alex that – Yeah, uh, I think that's our friend Alex from Twitter. That wants me to be uh, on your show yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll figure that out. Okay. This is from uh, Brad in Portland. What – the Fox. Hi, guys. This past Saturday, with my Utes off, I was looking for a game to watch and was surprised to see 1-3 Northwestern versus 3-2 and Nebraska on Fox, not FS1, while 2-3-1 and teams, Arizona and Colorado, were playing at about the same time on the Pac-12 network. Not only did both of those Big Ten teams lose to Pac-12 teams, but ironically, Nebraska lost head-to-head against Colorado. I was interested to hear your take on why Fox picked the game uh, they did to broadcast. Was it the TV market size of where the schools are located, the conference affiliation perceived prestige and, or something else. I know that each team must have two home games broadcast on Pac-12 network, but I don't think that was the determining factor for this game. Thanks for the podcast and all that you do. I love what you guys eventually get around to doing each week, Brad in Portland PS, uh, what do you put uh, the over-under on Chip Kelly being fired during or at the end of the season? We th- talked about that. Um, I would recommend John Wilner because he gets into all of these uh, where games are picked.
0: I thought you were going to say because he gets off on picking which games are going to be on which channels. And I'm like, maybe. He, I don't know. He seems like you've got a lot of knowledge of Wilner's personal life. But he seems to be excited about it.
2: <laughs> if you go back to his newsletter, though, from two weeks ahead of time, he usually projects where these games are going. And if you look, you know, so he's talking about the October 19th game. So those times were just announced. There's also no one, none of Fox or ESPN each get two six-day picks. Neither network has used them yet. So that means in the last six weeks of the season, four of them, you know, four weeks are going to end up being six-day windows. So um, these were ones that were picked at least because no six-day windows were used. This was at least two weeks ahead of time. And maybe at the time you felt like that would be a better game. I don't think you knew Arizona was going to be a three and one team when that game was picked. Uh, but I would go back and look at the ordering uh, this this week. Like there was, you know, like this week is all Fox and Pac-12 Network. The week of uh, October nineteenth, I think it's all ESPN and Pac-12 Network. So Pac-12 Network has like three good games that weekend because Fox wasn't involved. So it just depends on each week. There's picks. It's kind of complicated, but it, you can't look at it now. And go, oh yeah, that team is three and one now. I mean, they weren't at the time the game was picked.
0: All right, that, that was exhaustive sense. and excellent. Sorry, I just tried. No, it was beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> um, this is a text message from Brent. Uh, do you think Brett's and Brent's have to get together and just agree on one?
2: Maybe they should. Yeah, just like join because I have Brent.
0: Brent, write back and tell us if, you'd be, if you would agree to be a Brett.
2: Yeah, I like that.
0: Because it's hard to say your name. It's easier to say the other one. Could we, so could we all just be Brett with two T's? No Brents, no Brett with one T, <laughs> just all Bretts with two T's.
2: <laughs> Is that too much to ask?
0: Can we just do that as as friends, as countrymen? Thank you. Nice. All right. Uh, best receiver in the conference. If you say that Colorado bloke, we are going to have words. Thanks again. Go Beeves. All right, so should we do the tale of the tape between Isaiah and uh, and our, our – wait, is it Isaiah Rogers? What am I thinking?
2: Isaiah Hodgins?
0: Isaiah Hodgins. Jeez. can't even get the man's name right after he just, like, schooled the crap out of my Bruins. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so last year, Hodgins had 59 catches for 876 yards. This year, 43 for 632. So he's going to have a dude-like year, well over 1,000 yards most likely. Uh, LaVisca, Chenault, stats, pulling them up. All right. So, so he had a dude year last year, 86 catches for 1,011 yards. Also had, um, 17 rushes for 115 yards. Um, so you got to factor that in. I mean, he's kind of a do everything guy, not really just a receiver. Isaiah Hodgins has better numbers receiving. I mean, averaging 15 yards a catch versus LaVisca's 11.8 last year and then, again, almost 15 per catch this year to Laviska's 13.3 last year or this year, I don't know. Yeah. Pure receiver? Maybe you're taking Isaiah Hodgins.
2: I just, as a football player, I like Chanel, you know, like, because he does a lot.
0: He can be a short yardage running back for you. He can do a lot of different things. Yeah. But, but it's been, an argument. It's an argument. He's I'm going to give you that, yeah. B- fan.
2: He's been a stud. Brett. Yeah.
0: Brett, my man. Brett.
2: Brett. Brett. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we got one last one. Yep. From our boy Hithliday. Uh So this is Proverbs eight eight. And I would you like me to read it? I I, I, I looked it up. So all the oh, okay. all the words of my mouth are righteous; none are crooked or perverse. Sounds like me. Um, so this is from the Bible, obviously. So a little different, uh, kind of a curveball from day
0: He usually goes ancient antiquity, but in the end, isn't the Bible just a, a <laughs> it's, book from antiquity? It's pretty, anti-
2: <laughs> it's pretty much, yes. Okay, my belief, uh, I'm sorry, my belief, my brief experience as a UCLA fan... After taking them in the suicide pool was everything David promised it would be. And like any Bruin, I now have a list of very public grievances that all must hear. Hear ye, hear ye. So now we know where this Proverbs came from. Obviously, picking them at all was number one. So that's the biggest grievance. Yeah, that's fair. Day. But I'd like you boys to rank the remaining events from that game in terms of foolishness. All right. So he gives us four items that we have to rank uh, in the foolishness scale uh, giving up an outside kick in the first quarter that was pretty foolish surrendering uh, two different 53 yard plays going forward on fourth down five times and losing three of them fumbling to itself twice and both were just about the best plays of the night how much longer can this go on <laughs> Hitler Day um, <they> not happy <laughs>
0: So from a foolishness standpoint, I think giving up an onside drop kick was definitely number 1. Mm. Um after again picking them. Um 2 was probably the surrendering to 53 yard plays. 3 was fumbling to itself twice and 4, not very foolish at all, was going for it on fourth down. The play calls should have been better. Um but I don't I, I'm if you've been listening to this for a while, I do not hate fourth down going for it. No. Just do it. And it's fine. So, no, I thought those were all, like, actually decent decisions to go. Just could have asked for a little bit more on the play call. Especially but. against
2: Oregon State's defense, which has been just god-awful. Except, oh, except in this game.
0: day this was – I uh, man, you don't pick UCLA in that spot. Come on, buddy. So,
2: he was one of the, like, 30-something people that were left in – or 27 – I think it was 27. Yep. And uh, he's out. Oh, day would have loved it if he got to win that that's got to really oh, upset would. him yeah he's got to be pissed yeah you're basically finished last Hitler day because you I mean he's so yeah.
0: pissed he's quoting the Bible now yeah like that's he's and he's going back to the Old Testament he's going back to an angry God
2: angry. he's because he's an angry guy right now yeah. yeah I bet he is do you think maybe um, one of his other personalities didn't pick uh UCLA
0: maybe Rusty fence yeah what was the other or, one um, was uh, uh uh silence do good silence
2: do good yeah yeah
0: we didn't hear from silence do good this week
2: no Hitler day was too mad
0: <laughs> he was too bad to do any of that tomfoolery. <laughs> he was just going to do his own.
2: <laughs> I was, I was funny because you, you don't look at our Twitter. um So I was, <laughs> I, so I pulled up our Twitter and like, like pulled up, oh, people you should follow. I was on, so I was on our, you know, the PAC 12 podcast Twitter one and Hitler Day came up and I, we didn't follow him. I'm like, oh, we'll follow Hitler Day. I'm like, I, we, we weren't following him before. So
0: that's got to be an insult for, uh, for a manhood for today, because we followed Andrew Percival, who's the uh, who's the Washington stats guy. Yeah, he
2: tweets us a lot of stuff. He's he really those does. eye charts and things. And, yeah, you love him. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. Andrew's kind of pissed right now. I think he said he's pissed about Washington. He said something like, "He's like for the first time in three years, like this is the first time Washington is not the best team in the conference." I was like, eh, "Yeah."
0: true so what do you want to just be dominant forever it's not gonna happen right. man
2: but even like when they would lose games he's like no they're still the best team it's like eh, all right i mean i i would say usc was better than washington in 2016 when they beat them in seattle and usc was one and three to start that season but by, by the end of the season with sam Darnold, they were really good
0: that's true but that's true. i wouldn't
2: say that washington was better that's
0: what clay helton is capable of if you just give him time
2: you got to give him more time to get back to there. You know, yeah, find another Sam Darnold. A
0: little bit more time.
2: Find another Sam Darnold. They gave up seven s- touchdowns. They won the Rose Bowl, giving up a touchdown to Penn State in seven straight possessions. Is that crazy? Four straight plays, that's, Penn State scored a touchdown, and they still won that game. That's pretty crazy. They were one in really three. They got crushed by Alabama and somehow won the Rose Bowl. Like that's ridiculous. That was a really fun and game. UCLA hadn't. When's the last time they won the, Rose, won the Rose Bowl? You were like a toddler.
0: Uh yeah, I had just been born. Yeah, like literally a month and a half before that.
2: Crazy. Well, yeah. You need Rick Neuheisel back.
0: I, that's the argument I made. <laughs> I stand by
1: it.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks for all the questions, and uh, sorry that our picks have sucked. Like, this is really as worth like. For in four years, this is the worst run we've had. Um, but we'll turn it around, we'll get it back. Will we? I think so. Okay. Dude, two hours.
0: I know. We'll the- and I was expe- I was expecting this one to be short.
2: I thought so too. Like we only read recapped four games.
0: Well, we had the whole thing at the beginning where we riffed on the um, special teams player of the week because I didn't listen to you when you said Oregon State. And then I talked for a while about that. So that was cool.
2: Oh, but we're going to get emails about that. Like,
0: oh, there's going to be so many. Like when I post this on the Oregon State board, they're like, oh, my gosh, they didn't even know the punter's name or the (laughs) kicker's name or whatever. And I turned it off immediately. And I'm going to be like, look, fair. Honestly, fair, because it wasn't even like I didn't know his name. I didn't know his name, and I didn't listen to Ryan. <laughs> like I didn't listen like i'm I'm hosting a podcast. like I'm not like I'm not doing other stuff. like I'm just hosting a podcast. and for that moment, I was like, I'm just gonna stare off into the distance and then when Ryan's done talking, I'm gonna talk again. That's what happened. So that's what happens on this show. So
2: here's the special let me read it for you. okay. so this I, I'm you know I'm going through this email. I just wanted to get a couple notes from each player in my head. I didn't even write this down just so I would know. It says special teams, Daniel Rodriguez, uh, redshirt senior punter, Oregon state from Pleasanton, California punted three times in the Beaver's 48, 31 win over UCLA Averaged 47.7, 47.7 yards per punt and tallied a 62 yarder, which tied his career high also trapped UCLA inside its 20 once. So that was the first note. So I assumed that was the best thing that happened and I moved on, but the next, if I would have read the next note, performed a drop kick in the, uh, on a kickoff in the first quarter they went 23 yards and was covered by Oregon State and UCLA That should territory. be the first that's line in his be the first, obituary. That's what's wrong that with the Pac-12. The, like
0: That should be on his friggin' tombstone. Like, that should be the first line in his obituary. Yeah. For, Drop kicked an onside kick against UCLA in 2019.
2: So I'm blaming this on the Pac-12. That, that was... You buried the lead. Like, I read he punted three times for an average of 47.7 yards. That tells me nobody did anything good in the Pac-12. He was a punter that won a game and what, you know, how you don't put his best, you know, uh, uh, event, his best accomplishment first baffles me.
0: I let's blame it on other people. Certainly I will. not us. My apologies,
2: Oregon state fans for not reading the, the second or third note in the email from the pack 12. I assumed it wouldn't get any better than the first one.
0: Yeah. But well, we're haters.
2: Haters. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, He is David Woods, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Ryan Abraham from Redondo Beach, California. We're the podcast of champions. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to our little show, and we will talk to you next time. Enjoy what should be a fun week of Pac-12 football. Thanks again.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.